Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to the show on WCOM in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. WCOM there in Carville as well. The Bass News Radio Show on the Bass News Radio Network. Thanks to our guests. I want to go back to the phones and bring in one of my good friends. He is the co-host of You and the Law that airs every uh, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time blogtalkradio.com and of course the rebroadcast you can hear at 4 a.m. and 6 p.m. on the bachelornews.airtime.pro if you missed the live you can go to the rebroadcast he is the one and only Chief Keith Humphrey uh, Chief of Police in Little Rock, Arkansas Chief, I appreciate you coming on, sir Come on, L.A. Anytime for you, man I appreciate you, man I, I thank you, man Hello to all the listeners uh, and, or should I say swag, since that's what your your co-host. Uh... <laughs> well, no, 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 you, 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 no, 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 you, you, you good. I, I just make that a requirement for for Virgil. Okay, uh, we, we'll definitely uh, keep that in mind. Chief, you guys did a show um, Tuesday, and I thought it was really, really um, important and and unique and. But, I mean, your show is unique in itself. You are two black police chiefs talking about real issues, whether it be police brutality or some of the things that people need to know when they're getting stopped. It's, it's real talk, and I truly appreciate it. And that's why um, we love to have you on, on the network. But, Chief, I wanted to ask you um, about the conversation you had regarding you know, mental illness and stress that law enforcement goes through. So uh, before I get into some of the the nuts and bolts of it, um, tell us what's in place, you know, generically, maybe specifically to your agency um, Mm -hmm. that your officers can utilize when they go through stuff. Because, you know, uh, I've often said on this show, you have some bad apples, but I don't think any of, of you, um, including yourself, sign up to be, you know, uh, psychologists and and uh, mediators and everything else other than just enforcing the law. But you have to take on these other hats and roles when you are dealing with the um, the public in a lot of different instances. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, L.A., there, there's always been, uh, you know, for a long time, the only person uh that law enforcement officers would trust uh it was always go to your minister uh but then you have officers who don't uh they may not belong they may not go to church uh they may not have a minister and so you know and then it got to the point where where you're a big boy you're a big girl just deal with it uh you know you just been involved in a shooting or you've been involved in in a in a very uh emotional incident well just deal with it that's part of the job and what we saw, we saw a lot, a lot of uh, PTSD is not new to law enforcement. I mean, it's been in existence for years. Right. We just didn't call it that. Uh, we just basically say there's nothing wrong with you. Just suck it up. You're a police officer. Deal with it. You're tough. This and that and the other. And so that's one of the things that I, I'm so thankful for President Obama uh, setting forth the uh, 21st century policing and the and the 20 and the pillars. And that sixth pillar talks about wellness. So for the first time. There is a guideline to how we get to that point, not the physical wellness, but the emotional uh, and the mental wellness. And so what you're seeing there, L.A., is throughout the nation, many police departments are implementing internal 
wellness programs, uh, outlets for officers to have that person or that resource to, to get the help that they need, whether it's related to on-duty issues or off-duty issues. Now, there are a lot of cities that have the uh, Employee Assistance Programs, EAP. A lot of law enforcement officers don't trust that city process because they believe it's not a confidential process. And what has happened with a lot of the states, they've had to write state statutes uh, to help uh, make these wellness programs confidential. Now, it doesn't mean if an officer comes in and tells you they've committed a crime that that's confidential. But if somebody tells you, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm depressed, I've, I've done this, I've done, that's confidential information, and that we have a responsibility to see what resources we need to provide. So that's, that's one of the things that we're doing here in, in, in Little Rock. The other thing that we're doing, I'm looking to hire a full-time uh, licensed counselor uh, to help internally uh, when we have those officers that might need to talk to someone right then and there, and also for our internal, our external partners, which are our homeless and our mental health um, community. So we'll have um, uh, someone there to talk. So, so it goes both ways. But, yeah, we're, we're finally realizing that we need an outlet, finally. You know, it, it's, you, you talk about, it, you know, trying to put those things in place. Do you think that um, the stress of the job, uh, and, and which leads to a lot of, uh, you know, issues with officers and they don't have that, you know, that place where they can go if they're not religious or, or what have you, do you think that they – that – tends to lead to why we have some of these these bad apples or the shootings, or they're just bad apples? I think both. Uh, I think that there are individuals that have seen so much go on, and they have so much in their personal life going on and in their professional life, they don't know how to separate the two. I think that can evolve into a problem. And then I do think you just have people that just have problems, they're going to have problems no matter what kind of assistance they get, and they're wearing badges and carrying guns. So I think it's both. But I think for the most part, you have individuals that don't know how to get the, get the assistance. And then you have coworkers who basically say, well, that's their problem. I'm not going to get involved in it. And what, and what we see also, L.A., you've heard us talk about this. There are police officers out there that don't have an out. So everything, every, every, all they breathe, eat, and sleep is police work. When they're on duty, when they're off duty, they don't have an out. They don't have hobbies. Uh, they don't have, they don't spend time with their families. Uh, they're estranged from their families. They're estranged from their friends. This is all they, this is all they do, and and that can be dangerous too. And so what we what we've seen, LA, is we're starting to get into the into the academies. We're talking about wellness. We're talking about the emotional intelligence part of it in the academy from day one, so that we can have these officers understand when they are going into crisis, it's okay. You're not going to be terminated because you're going. To, you feel as though you're going into crisis. What's going to happen? You're going to be terminated if you don't do something about it. And so I think that both we have individuals that it piles on, and we have individuals that they bring their their uh, their dirt with them to to the job. Just joining us, we'll talk with Chief uh, Keith Humphrey, Chief of Police in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, Black Police Chief. I want to emphasize that uh, only to the to the fact that some of the conversations we have are very candid. And uh, I really appreciate uh, Chief Humphrey, and, and over the years he's he's been very a, a straight shooter. I, I appreciate that. But you're listening to the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network and WCOM in uh, Chapel Hill. 
Chief, there are some people out there that, you know, quite frankly, in our neighborhoods that that don't trust the police and just follow where I'm going. Um, Certainly where I grew up, we didn't trust the police, quite frankly. I mean, we've seen too much, um, you know, uh, just a lot of stuff that are, quote unquote, off the books and what they did and some stops. I had a, a gun put to my head before. Um, you know, and, and, and even your own law enforcement, black law enforcement has been harassed. We see it now on social media, certain uh, uh, officers are talking about they've been stopped. Um, and thank God they had the uniforms that they might be dead. Um, so that, that aspect is there. So you, it's, it's probably going to be hard for, for civilians, especially those who are victims of police brutality to have any empathy or sympathy um, for law enforcement that is stressed out and going through some some mental is, issues, and you talked about PTSD. Uh, how do you is that a fair assessment? Is that even fair for people to feel like that, especially those who have been through these type of uh, atrocities and in some cases uh, heinous uh, uh, crimes and murders uh, of these families, these victims. You know, L.A., in a perfect world, I would say uh, that citizens shouldn't feel that way. But knowing without, you know, knowing that the things that we're seeing on TV, knowing that the history that there has been in law enforcement and minority communities, it is very difficult for somebody to say, uh, hey, uh, I feel sorry for them. I mean, how do you how do you feel sorry for someone? And, and, And I'm just saying I'm not saying you shouldn't. But, you know, you're looking at the average person, you know, you look at just think about the George Floyd family. Uh, if it were to come back or say that, that this this person that killed George Floyd uh, had a mental illness, I mean, how do you expect family to to feel sorry for him? How do you expect this family based on the actions? So I think a lot of times it's uh, people do see us as superhuman. Uh, people do think that we should just shake things off. Uh, we're at a point people do not want to hear that there are uh, levels of mental illness in law enforcement. There's PTSD. But you know what, L.A., at the, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Unfortunately, uh, it's taken a lot of things to happen for us to get to this point. Like, and I go back and I say, if it, you know, President Obama revealing this, getting that those, that committee together and, and basically coming up and saying, what about officers? We, we we talk about how good you should look in uniform, but you know what? You could be a fifty a five hundred thousand dollar Rolls Royce. I drive y'all, but the engine is broken. You know, you look good outside, but the engine's broken. What do we do to fix these guys? What do we do to make sure they look good internally? What do we do to make sure they're thinking healthy? And so this 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 twenty first century policing has caused chiefs and the law enforcement professionals like the nobles. National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives, IACP, have caused us to put that in our curriculum over, you know, and talk about it. So there are those individuals that you shouldn't feel sorry for, but there are those individuals that realize they're, 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 they've got some issues and they're trying to address those issues on their own without people until, before they get to that level. I've had two young men on my organization that realized that they had some issues and they basically said, I can't do this job, and I need to resign uh, before I hurt somebody, and I need to fix myself for myself and my family. I respect that. I wish many more would do that. 
Yeah, that's being very responsible. And, you know, Chief, when you look at it, you know, we keep it on the black. Um, it, you know, I, I part of me feels, you know, that that if, if you're going to have any empathy or sympathy for uh, law enforcement, it's, it's got to be for black law enforcement. You, you sent me an article on how a black uh, um, organization, black, you know, law enforcement organizations, you know, challenge uh, Attorney General Barr um, with this denial that there's no issues in the rank and file across this country when it comes to policing and bad policing and that it needs to be addressed and and fixed. We'll get to that in a second. But um, the other part of it is, you know, some of those officers that maybe are not out there, black officers are not out there, maybe brutalizing black and brown people they're standing by and watching it they're enabling yeah. it by saying nothing so yeah. it's got to be it's, it could be difficult though for people you know seeing people that look like us but then saying well you know you you know you ain't doing anything you seen the white boy the white officer doing this to these these people and you yet you say nothing so i don't feel sorry for you either yeah it, it, it is and, and you bring up a good point and, and I'll, I'll tell you you know, LA. Every time I think we're we're digging ourselves out of this hole, it seems like we get we we dig a little bit deeper and fall a little bit deeper, and and that that's that's correct. When you see uh, a uh, the situation with George Floyd, I keep bringing that up because that's a situation that everybody saw. They witnessed. You can't sugarcoat that. You can't make excuses for it. And you had three other officers around, and. Nobody intervened, but now you hear later that somebody was saying, well, maybe we should do this, but there was no actual physical attempt or a a strong attempt to have this person stop. That is a concern. And so then when you come back and you have the union say, well, this officer suffered from PTSD or whatever, nobody wants to hear that because you had three other people out there that could have intervened to, to, to do something and they didn't do it. So, so you're right. It is difficult for people to say that I have empathy for you. I sympathize for you. They do have a difficult time based on what they, what they're seeing their, their experience with law enforcement. Uh, And then people say, well, is it, is it an excuse to get away with it? I'm telling you, we have more officers now coming forward since we have laws on the book that make it confidential and the fact that you can't utilize that stuff against them uh, if it's not criminal, we do have more officers stepping forward now and saying, I do need help. Can I have a leave of absence? Uh, We have more supervisors recommending or directing people to wellness and and peer support. So it is is working. It, It is working, and we're having more officers say, I can't do this. We're having officers, we're having recruits before they even get started in the academy saying, I can't do this. I'm not emotionally. We're having recruits while they're in the academy. I can't, I'm not cut out for this. So it's working. People are starting to realize everybody can't do this job. And that's what we need. You're just joining us. We're talking with uh, Chief Keith Humphrey. He's the chief of police in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, on the Bachelor News Radio Show, on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and WCOM and, and Chapel Hill. Uh, chief we one of the other concerns I guess for especially black law enforcement is the fact that you see this um this this wave of you know law enforcement uh, officers resigning retiring uh, some of which having this 
uh, what do they call it? This uh, the blue this flu issue with it. The blue flu, where they they, they want to resign or they're just going to stay out because of the blue flu because they feel like they're being targeted, which I think is laughable. And the ones who want to st- uh, stand down and, and re- retire are probably the ones that are doing all the bad stuff anyway, but I digress. And then you have, you know, again, the the rank and file, the mainstream of, uh, you know, police in this country that are, you know, maybe not necessarily siding with the guy occupying the White House, but certainly feel like they're being targeted. Um and and then they, and then you have the ones that feel like this defunding this word defunding we'll get to that in a second uh, is is hurting them and maybe even hurting their salaries so they're retiring so uh, is there a peril right now amongst uh, law enforcement right now they seem as divided as we see people in this country as it relates to race is is is, is law enforcement in some some deep trouble right now. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say deep trouble. I think you're seeing reality. Uh, I think that you're what we're seeing is uh, you don't have very many chiefs like me in in, in, in Virgil uh, who, who 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 tell the truth, who tell the the story of law enforcement and the history. Uh, and there are just a lot of these individuals that have never experienced anything like that. You know, you think about this. Let me just kind of paint a picture for you. Ferguson, Michael Brown. That was really kind of an isolated incident that you had a little bit of the of the sparks throughout the country. Okay, um, we have never seen in the lifetime of many of the people, maybe the baby boomers, um, but definitely not the new generation of millennials. Uh, this most recent generation, they've never seen anything like this. And so you, you take the fact that you're from a small town; it may not be very diverse. And what you're seeing is you're seeing people coming together to stand up against the police and to stand up against um, oppression against pol- by police officers. That scares people. There are individuals that are afraid. There are individuals that basically now think, uh-oh, I'm going to be revealed. My, my true feelings are going to be revealed. There are those officers that who just feel like nobody appreciates them. There are those officers that just realize this is not for me. And so I think you see a lot of it. I think you, and then you just have those officers that are just straight up they they are racist, uh, and mm. and and that's a bad combination to be a racist and, and carry a gun. Uh, there's a difference between implicit, and I try to explain this to people. Everybody has a form of has implicit bias. We all do. It's the explicit bias that concerns me. The explicit bias, and so what you have is you have those individuals that that LA they are afraid to talk about diversity. And, and the minute you bring up diversity, or they feel as though diversity is being pushed down their throat, or they feel like diversity is overshadowing uh, what they believe is impo- other important discussion, then that chief of police is a racist, or the chief of police is trying to make the department something that they aren't. So now what you're seeing, now you're seeing officers leave because of that. They believe the chief doesn't support them. They believe the mayor doesn't support them. And so I think you see the question you ask, I think it's yes to all. I think it's I think it's yes to all. I think you have those individuals who have who realize it's time to retire. They've done their twenty eight twenty to twenty eight to thirty years. You have those individuals that basically they're young enough to get out after twenty years and do something else. And you're having those individuals that they can't do what they want to anymore. 
They're being questioned about everything they do. You have to be able to articulate. And let's just this you you weren't able to articulate before you did what you did anyway. So so there you're trying to make right. me articulate and and, and 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 make it make you know <clears throat> trying to make me help people understand why I did and I don't understand why I did it myself. So I better quit before I get myself into trouble. And then you have those individuals like like the the guy in Minnesota, the the, the person in Minnesota who killed George Floyd, who has issues all along. It was just a matter of time before he killed somebody. Hmm. Which the, the whole uh, agency there should be under fire for allowing him to stay on on the force, uh, acting like a Klansman with guns. But you know, uh, but LA, let me let me it, let me ask you. This. Let me ask you just something real quick. Ella, why would you not why would you not stay on a department when you know that you have an organization that's going to get your job back? That's going to that's going to that's going to hire attorneys, that's going to fight to get your job back no matter if you're wrong or not, because that's just what's supposed to happen. Why would you not why would you not stay why would you not continue to be a police officer when you know you have nothing to lose, uh, in some cases? Yeah, and I and I up until a few years, I thought baseball had the the best union, and you, I mean, they was the strongest. But boy, uh, you can't you can't fire an officer. I know we talked off air about some stuff that you had to deal with and stuff, and it's 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 astonishing. But you know, it's it's it, this whole. The, I want to go back to what you said real quick in terms of you know officers feel like they're you know not appreciated, and you know quite frankly. Um, Chief, there's certain jobs, you know, and careers that when people go into it, and, you know, people will criticize me for saying this, that you you know what you're getting into. So I know who, I mean, everybody wants to be appreciated. Everybody wants to say you're you're doing a great job. But if you're not hearing that, you're still supposed to do your job. I hear, and I'm not, I'm not anti-teachers. Lord knows in this climate, my my kids <clears throat> was driving me crazy being home, so I, I got a, a better appreciation for teachers. But in some cases, some teachers you know, feel like they're not appreciated, but you knew you were underpaid when you were going into it. So you're going into it certainly for love. And it's, it seems like the same thing with law enforcement. You know, you know the, the risk and dangers and the fact that you're not just going to get the bad guys. you got to break up fights. you got to deal with arguments. You, you know, you rescuing animals and you're all over the place. So, you know, it seems to me, Chief, it seems to me that law enforcement, people know that when they take that oath um, to uh, serve and protect, that they know it is some stuff going into. So, uh, as much as, like like I said, I think people should get a, a pat on the back and, hey, man, you're doing a great job. It's good for your morale and your your, your all of that. Some of us have to humble ourselves and know that, you know, this is what it is and, you know, that that's what you signed up for. So this this whole notion of feeling woe is me because you're not you're feeling underappreciated, well I mean, you're law enforcement. All right. I mean yeah, am I wrong, Keeper? No, no, you're you're right, LA. And and, and, and I see the I see the concerns of the officers too. But I think what I think what we do in law enforcement we focus so much on the on the vocal minority, and when I say minority, I'm not talking about African American or you know people of color. That vocal minority that we hear, that's always in our ear. We right. focus and we take things we take things personally. I'm telling you right now, 
police officers <laughs> take things more personally than any other profession that I've ever seen. They take it personally. Uh, mm. When 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 if they hear, um, it, you know, if, if they hear one person say, if, if the chief says, and, and I get this a lot. So as a police chief, it's very difficult for me to actually go and tell somebody, one person, hey, you don't need to be driving fast, okay? Because if the, if the police chief does that, you're picking on me. You're retaliating against me. So if I put out an email to say, hey, I've been noticing there's been vehicles driving, ex- you know, with excess, you know, excessive speed, just remember, be careful, this and that and the other, then I'm, I'm going to get it both ways. I'm going to get it. Well, he's accusing us of driving fast. Or, well, why didn't you say something to the person that's doing that? I mean, it's it's instead of taking right. it as he's just he's just saying, be careful. That's the message. Just he's just saying, be careful. It's well, he's he's fussing at you, or or he's lumping us all in. We 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 do take things personally as law enforcement officers, and I don't know how to how to how to how to cure that. But we we do we 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 really is we and I tell my officers go back to the basics of why you got into this profession. It was to help people. You're not going to receive praise every day. Even when you do the right thing, you're not going to receive praise. Do the job. Do the best job you can. Do the job that you're trained to do. Do what you were called to do. Your your praise will come. It, you don't have to get praise on everything we do. The majority of the officers out here in L.A., they don't even want people to know some of the things they do. They buy groceries for people. They pay people's utility bills. They give people rides to the doctors. They mow people's lawns and stuff. They don't want, right. they don't want any recognition. But it's those that, that got into law enforcement for the wrong reason that feel they have to continue to get the praise. Case in point, how are you going yeah. to sit here as a, as a SWAT team and see two of your members – push a 70-some-year-old man out of the way, he hurts himself, and that because the, the mayor or whomever called you out, you're going to quit. Your guys were wrong. What they did, how are you going to try to – how are you going to just – I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. Those are the things that upset the communities. Well, they, though, there are those who um, feel like they're being attacked because, again, it's almost like, you know, when um, these these – Little phrases we have now in society that I don't buy into, like when somebody dies, thoughts and prayers, and half the people don't even pray, but it's just something nice to say, or thanks for your right. service, and they really don't care about the military. I mean, it, we have right. these different stupid things that we say, don't really mean it, but you know, those officers might hear it, thank you for serving, and they start, you know, again sticking their chest out. Now humbling themselves, right. and and there's 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 the ones that feel that, and then there's the ones that look at black and brown people are like animals to, to slaughter. So they don't care about how old that man was. They just, you know, how dare you question me? You know, he's just an old black guy. What's the big deal? You know. Right. Uh, but I, I digress. Final question for you because I know I got my other guests on the line. Um, you know, the word defund um, has been thrown around a lot. Defund the police and. And there's there's two sides of it, and I, I have concerns. There, and, and I mentioned this to, to you and Virgil weeks ago when we talked about that word, that mainstream and people who want to do the, the boogeyman, the scare tactics, tactics um, say that to fund that there's not going to be any police officers on the planet, and it's just going to be lawlessness and, and everything else. Now, you do have, like your colleague in Seattle who resigned because of, 
the monies that were shifted away from the budget and you have situations like that. I get that. Certainly if uh, she didn't feel, an African-American woman especially, that didn't feel that, you know, she would be able to do her job effectively with those those cuts. But then the other side of this, Chief, if you will, um, quickly, is the fact that you have the protesters who want they demand, they don't even ask, they demand change in terms of getting these bad officers off there, having these curriculums and programs, make sure you get the right officers in place. Um, and and it's been hijacked by these snooty liberal people that don't live into these neighborhoods that want to, to take all these, these funds away and and sort of, you know, handcuff you, if you will, people like yourself. Um and they don't have to live in the urban cities. They don't. They ain't never been in the hood. Nobody by nature said, if you ain't never been in the ghetto, stay the bleep out of the ghetto. They've never been there before, but they can come in with the liberal ways in terms of the snooty ways and 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 push policy, and then they go back to the little suburb area. So speak to that because that's another part of it. I'm not saying I um, there, there's not um, the need to bring forth extreme change, as I said, right. but we also have to be careful. On how we do this, this this restructuring, not the defunding, but reorganizing is probably a better term of these right. agencies across the country. Well, L.A., I'm going to tell you right now, be careful what you ask for. And I, I'm, I'm like you. I think a lot of people is that vocal minority that they there's a there's a there's an item out there. They jumped on that bandwagon. They have no idea what they're talking about. Reorging? Absolutely. Defunding? No. What are you going to do? They don't want the police gone. This is what's really sexy right now. This is what's getting attention. If I say this, I'm going to get five minutes worth of, of, of media attention. They really, people, The people who are saying that, they've never had to utilize the police. They've never, they've never, they've never encountered the police, and if it was, it was minimal. They've never, they've never had to stare down a barrel of a gun. They've never had their home broken into. They've never had a loved one that they've lost that's been uh, that's, uh, that's been violated. They've never had. They, they've they've only heard about it and they've seen it on TV. These are individuals that don't get it. And so, the, I'm thankful that you have more people that say, let's, let's sit down with police chiefs and city officials and say, let's reorg and talk about what we can do better. But this defunding thing, these these individuals saying that, they haven't a clue what we do. Yeah, and, and we have to be careful. I'm not talking about the protesters. I'm not talking about the ones who really want real comprehensive right. change, right. get Absolutely. the bad elements Absolutely. out. We're not talking about them because those are the ones that, that get it. What I'm saying is, and I think you're saying is that uh, it's been hijacked by people who want to jump on it. Yes. Coming yes. into neighborhoods that don't know what's really going on, and using Absolutely. that word, and then using it to to the extreme where you have good police chiefs like your colleague resign, and we could possibly see more of that, and that would be right. a shame. Yeah, uh, we're not talking about Chief the Black Humphrey, Lives Matter movement or anything like that. We're talking about individuals who are opportunists. That's what we're talking about. Right. Right. Absolutely. Chief, uh, listen, I appreciate you. If, uh, if Folks, if you get a chance on Tuesdays, check out You and the Law. It airs on uh, Blog Talk Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And, of course, it uh, also, if you missed the rebroadcast, go to our website, thebachelornews.airtime.pro. That show airs at 4 a.m. 
and 7 p.m. Eastern time. It's you and the law, co-hosts of that chief of police, uh, Chief Keith Humphrey in Little Rock, Arkansas. Of course, Virgil Green, as well as the other hosts, couldn't be here. Thank you, Chief. Be safe. Be well. Love you, man. Appreciate your time. Love you, too, man. God bless. Thanks, Chief. Take a break. Get to our next guest. Good talk. Let's switch gears a little bit um, and talk more about the coronavirus as it relates to some of the pro sports out there um, with our next guest on the Bassett News Radio show on the Bassett News Radio Network and WCOM in Chapel Hill. Shit is over with. I'm the king now. Get those blades in the air. Carry out the mission. Welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks to our, our guests. And uh, you just heard an excerpt of uh, the movie Black Panther um, with the uh, star who... Unfortunately, we lost um, at an early age of 43 years young, and Chadwick uh, Bozeman uh, just wanted to uh, play that so uh, people can understand and know, um, if you did not know, that uh, Mr. Bozeman has passed away um, fighting cancer over the last four years, I believe, and um such a tragedy, but um, you know he he left a a mark here um, in his forty three years young time on the planet. He wanted to talk about uh, his legacy and what he meant with all the important and historical roles that he played. With my guest, uh, he is always welcome here an Emmy award winning documentary filmmaker and TV producer he is Anthony Harris and uh Mr. Harris I appreciate you coming on uh, the uh the show once again sir hope all is well with you yeah i'm doing great thank you so much for having me absolutely um you know obviously the 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 big role if you will was uh black panther but a lot of people forget that he did a lot of different uh, roles. Um, Third Girl Marshall, of course, who um, was an attorney and represented uh, a mixed couple that, uh, I mean, a, a couple, a black and white couple, wanted to move into a neighborhood, Brown versus the Board uh, he, of, of that area. Plus, he did Brown versus Board of Education. He also um, played uh, 42, the Jackie Robinson story, historic, of course, Jackie being the guy who, who, um, broke the the uh color barrier in major league baseball uh, there's so many great roles and so so many sh- in a short period of time talk about him and and how he sort of inspired a lot of people and and the fact that uh you know um even in the midst of his condition he still was pressing on he was still fighting and still entertaining 
Exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, quite a quite a story, and, and very very sad and unfortunate. I mean, I think it kind of hit everyone like you know another another blow to the to the gut uh, that people have been experiencing over the last little while. Um, I I do remember seeing a photo. I th- I think maybe two months or three months ago of of Chadwick Boseman, and I and and and. I, I noticed that the photo just looks kind of strange. I mean, I, I, you never know anyone's personal life. You never, knew, you never really know what's going on. And I saw the photo, and I saw on social media, some people were saying, oh, you know, he doesn't look too good. What's going on? And someone said, oh, he's just, you know, he's prepping for another acting role. So I left it at that, and then I didn't think about it anymore. And then, bam, Friday night, you get the news. Um, you know, the, the main movie that, as you mentioned, and you played the clip from, uh, was Black Panther. And, and I just want, and, and you talked about his iconic roles that he played. There's so much here to unpack. But in terms of black people's lives, I hate to use the word representation because I think that's used so often. And sometimes you have people so-called representing that ain't really representing, if you know what I mean. But in, but in, in, um, in uh, Chadwick Boseman's case, he meant, although it was all fantasy in terms of the role, especially Black Panther, it was fantasy, but that meant so much to the self-esteem of black people. Here right. we had, here we had a, a total African situation with Wakanda. We, you had heroines and heroes. It, it, was, it was a black, authentically black situation. And you saw, I think we all saw, the world saw what that film did. I mean, it made gobs of money. And for at least a good two, three-month period, all you could see was people saluting each other with Wakanda or saying certain things from the movie. So in terms of the black psyche, the black self-esteem, which is often in need of great repair because of white supremacy and so many other things in terms of the marginalization that we as black people often face, that meant so much because so often superheroes are relegated to white folks, especially especially the Marvel line. Here we had a black superhero. You know, and, and, and I think that got everyone so so feeling good. <laughs> so many black people right. feeling good about the whole thing. So I think in that sense, it really hurt. Because, again, in terms of marginalization in media and film, often we are viewed as buffoons. There's a level of weakness. There's some tragedy. Like the movie Queen and Slim. People laud that movie. But in my eyes, there were so many things wrong about that movie. And in the end, he was murdered. I don't know right. She was murdered. She was murdered in the right. end, and and, she, and it was another martyr. You know, m- much as what we have in today's real black life, the people right. are killed, and, it, and then we got candles, and we got marches, and we got never again. Not to belittle that, but there's never a feeling, especially in films which are fantasy. Basically, there's never that feeling. Whereas you're like, wow, we won this time. Black people won this time. So in Black Panther and in Chadwick Boseman's representation of T'Challa. There was that feeling of self-esteem and pride that that is so rare for Black people in film today. Right, and you know when you you think about it, you you talk about the the role, the positive role that he played. I mean, my I, I remember taking uh, my boys to see it, and not only they were excited because everybody was talking about it, but when they left, they generally loved it. And it's yeah. something about. Um, you know, heroes are, t- t- you know, in, in terms of on screen, typically are, you know, not real fantasy, you know, Marvel and all that kind of stuff. Um, but for them to uh, look at him, I think there are a lot of young um, men 
Uh, even women, when you look at all the, 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 the dominating, powerful women in that, that movie, Black Panther, that they look to aspire or they, but it, not only that, it makes them feel like, wow, we can have someone like that on the screen that looks like us, you know, being strong like us. Exactly. I, I, I remember what I liked too, what the banter that uh, T'Challa, the Chadwick Boseman character, forget her name right now in the movie, but his sister and Black Panther, the joyful and kidding banter that they had amongst each other. It was so cute and it was so cool. You know, and, and, and she, she was a technical wizard. Here we had a woman being a black woman, being a technical wizard because she had, she right. was all his technical, you know, she was a technical wizard. This was a young black woman that was a technical wizard. And, and, and you, and you, you juxtapose that with, uh, with STEM, the STEM uh, set up in, in, in schools now and, and how so few Black women are in those roles. So, so on that level, too, there was a sense of pride, and it was like, yeah, we can do it. So, yeah, a lot of and, – and, and you think of also young, young children, and specifically young male, young boys, young black boys, and how they felt right. when they saw that they went to the movies. So, yeah, it, it, devastating news, hurting, hurting again, because, again, this year has been very, very difficult on so many levels. Uh, you know, we just had another shooting death, unnecessary shooting death. So those things are always in our psyche. And for that brief moment in 2018, we, we, we had a, a very good feeling uh, in, in, in terms of that movie. So it, it was rough. It was really rough to see that. And just from what I hear, I mean, I, you know, you never really know who these people really are. But just from what I've seen about him just casually, uh, even before his death and now, you know, uh, after, he seemed like a genuinely nice person. He really, really yeah, I mean, like a genuinely nice person, yeah. I think Denzel Washington uh, sent up to yes, Oxford, taking his way to Oxford. I mean, which, you know, uh, that's that's pretty – you got to be pretty impressed with a young man. You're going to go ahead and, and spend some money and send him to Oxford to be to be trained. That, that's pretty awesome. Uh, Anthony, when you, you look at the, 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 the scale, the, the landscape of uh, actors like that, it, it's, it's almost like um, – we feel like we we get a little cheated because not just because of the the hero mentality, um, but the mentor mentality. You're a mentor, I'm sure. You've been in the business forever, so you you're taking people under your wings to learn how to produce and 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 make films and 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 TV and all of those things. You've done sports, so certainly it. Um, yeah, I know in your. I could just know in your. And your your DNA that you're that type of guy. You're gonna bring uh, elevate people up. And here's a guy who you know was known by Denzel and the president, and so he was on his way uh, to doing great things. I think even I think isn't that more hurtful or painful to lose a guy like that because not only of the brilliance and the talent that he had and portrayed on the screen, but he probably had the eye for others who could be just as good coming up through the ranks. Exactly. Uh, yeah, man, this is, again, this is like, uh, this is like being kneeled, being killed over one knee after you, after you got hit, after you've gotten hit several times in the stomach and kicked in the face. And then, then somebody comes along and, and hits you with a bat across the head. That's like, that, that, that's similar to what this blow was when, when we got the news Friday night. But, yeah, he, uh, I understood, too, because I live in Harlem in New York City, and I just found out recently that he was also mentoring uh, young actors at the Schomburg in Harlem. So the, the, the reach of Chadwick Boseman was incredible. 
and 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 just things that he did on 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 a on a non-popular. I mean, he didn't he didn't over promote himself. He just humbly went and did the work that's needed. And and, right. and how can you not how can you not appreciate that? So many right. things he did. He did at the graduation speech that he gave at Howard University, his alma mater. I think uh, in in eighteen or, or I forget which year nineteen. I forget which year it was. That was that was very powerful. And, and when he spoke of, I went to Howard so I could play these roles, uh, in, you know, these these iconic roles of Thurgood Marshall and Jackie Robinson and T'Challa and things like that. So and and again, he went to an HBCU. So so many things about that are like, you know, it it makes us feel good, and that's rare these days that we right. black people get to feel really good. So yeah, he. He did, and I understood also, even while he was going through the chemotherapy and the sessions with his colon uh, cancer, he was also encouraging young, he was visiting young cancer patients and encouraging them. Wow. So, I mean, you know, I, you know, there are days when I have horrible days and rough days, and today was a long, busy day and, and things like that. And I, ha- I, have a, I have a long way to go before I reach that kind of level, but that's certainly something to strive for. The way that he went about life after such difficult times. That's certainly something that we can all strive for. When you think about it, too, uh, going back to the heroes and telling our story, which is crucial, I think, to actually tell our story, um, is it difficult in your position to bring out the story, even as great of an actor as uh, Mr. Bozeman was, and the story still being told or being produced or directed by white people or someone else. In other words, um, you know, if, if you were um, an actor and it was, you know, say the story of Barack Obama, you played him, but it was through the lens of a white man, can the story really come out? There, do how much control would the actor uh, have in that position? And then I guess, the, I guess if the actor is a, um, you know, say a Denzel or somebody with some some power, they probably would have a, a lot of influence on that story. Yeah, it's funny. Earlier you mentioned Denzel and you mentioned him him, him just now. Uh, when I thought of Chadwick Boseman, I thought of Denzel, Denzel because his career was, was, was moving in that arc in terms of how Denzel picks his roles and does iconic roles. Denzel did Malcolm X and he did Stephen Biko. So, so yeah, uh, Chadwick Boseman was moving in that direction, uh, up that arc in terms of uh, that, kind of, that kind of a career. Uh, I, I, to answer your question, the actor very rarely has that kind of control. And that's what made Chadwick Boseman's career, his very brief career, sadly, so powerful is that here's the, here is this young man not being a buffoon in the roles he plays. He was, in, he, was in, he was recently in the Five Bloods, the Spike Lee movie. He did the movie 21 Bridges where he was a cop. Uh, he did, and then we talked about the other roles he did, and there's others that we're not talking about. I can't remember any where he was a buffoon, he looked weak, he was, he was, he was, he was not a credit to his race, if you will. And right. I want to. I wonder what he did in terms of to to, to not compromise himself, you know, because often we see actors uh, do that, uh, and 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 it's disappointing, frankly. But he 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 did not he did not take that arc or or, or that that fall, if you will. He did the iconic roles and still did them, and 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 so there's a lesson there, and I hope I hope somewhere the manuscript is still left 
for others to follow. Uh, it also has something to do with integrity and 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 who you are as a person, and that also may speak to uh, Chadwick Boseman in terms of his integrity and who he is as an individual. But I hope others can can take that path because he was on his way to obviously doing so many other great things, and who knows, he could have been, um, you know, calling shots to a big Hollywood uh, per- person or a big film uh, person, calling his own shots and making more iconic life-changing, transformative films. You know, one of the things um, was brought up to me, and I think it's, it's, it, you, you touched on it earlier, was the fact that, you know, you look at certain roles, even the great ones, um, do not get the, uh, the accolades, the awards that they should unless they do something where white society looks at us as a certain case, a certain way, case in point, Denzel again, um, in training day, he won exactly. a, a ton of awards playing a crooked cop, you know, exactly. taking money and killing people and all this other stuff. And of course, Holly Berry in monsters ball, you know, exactly. she's playing this, you know, so it's, 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 it's they only recognize us, and and I know how I know what you would probably say. We don't, we don't need the recognition. We, you know, we know what we're doing, but they don't recognize us from the Academy and the Oscars and everything else, unless in most cases we play these roles that they think we are thugs, crooked, um, our women are, you know, easy and all of that kind of stuff. And then here you have a guy like Chad, uh, Chad with Bozeman that comes along. And dispels that, and there's a lot of Chadwick Bozemans out there that don't get the credit um, that they deserve, uh, Anthony. I would think. Exactly. No, you're absolutely right. But again, you know, I think maybe, maybe he set the new arc. Maybe Chadwick Bozeman set the new arc that now we're not going to take. I mean, I understand people got to eat, and, and please don't get me wrong. I mean, we all got to eat, and especially now with COVID, it's made the film industry a little more difficult and challenging. But your integrity should still be intact. You know, integrity is not, integrity is not compromised. And, you know, I, I think we have enough of those roles that you just talked about in, 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 in film and in, in all sorts of media. We have enough of that. Can we start seeing some things that represent us in a much more powerful way? And remember, a lot of these films are fantasy. You know, right. um, uh, uh, um, uh, Black Panther was fantasy. So with fantasy, you can, you, I mean, you know, you could, you could take all kind of liberties. You know, you can tell whatever kind of story you want, and you know, you don't have to have the the white girlfriend. <laughs> you know, it could be it could be a black black love story. You know, and, and right. things like that. So so yeah, uh, the integrity integrity it should always be intact, and 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 those are things that Denzel has already always had, and we saw it with uh, with Chadwick Boseman. Talking with Anthony Harris here on the Bastard News Radio Show, WCOM in Chapel Hill, and the Bastard News uh, Radio Network. Uh, in this this moment, and I think I might have asked you this um, one of the times you were on, in this moment uh, of a civil unrest, in this moment of, of uh, striving and in the fight for equality, it's touched on all corners of the of, of life in this this country if you will and i'm sure it, it touches in your area how do you feel at looking at the landscape um with black producers and filmmakers um and and even actors and actresses uh where are we 
in this climate of Trump and, and divide in, in that industry? Yeah, good question. Uh, I, I still think there's opportunity there. You know, I still, I, I'd like to try to be optimistic. I think right. there's opportunity there because, again, the, the technology has. I mean, there's so many platforms where 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 one can 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 present their work. So uh, there's. I mean, look at. I mean, even in the midst of all of this stuff going on, you have people on YouTube getting millions of views. So and and that could that could create another platform for someone. So I think there's and there's a lot of content now. You know, it's not like you know everyone's asleep, and 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 everyone and 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 the top story is the latest song by by some rap artist. No, everyone's somewhat woke. I mean, to certain levels, everyone's somewhat woke. So so there's there's a there's a hunger for more content and more of the same more of this this social justice, if you will, content, or or or, or a word that I prefer, transformative content that that's available that people can make, and I think. The sky's the limit right now. I mean, there are things that I know that pe- people are working on that are just uh, video conferencing stuff, uh, you know, uh, productions just based on video conferencing and things like that. So uh, we have always been creative people. So I don't, think, um, I don't think that's the issue. I think the issue is, is one of being focused and being clear and, and, and having that integrity intact. So I, 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 I tend to not look as a, at, at a, oh, Trump and, 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 and everything is bad. There's plenty of content available, and I think that makes things very exciting. Uh, there's some things that, that I'm working on and, and, and some other things. That, so, so there's a lot of stuff out there that, 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 can, be, that can be placed uh, onto the forefront and create more conversations and more dialogue and perhaps create more transformation. Well, is that it, – it, should we be going towards – and, again, this is your industry. You know better than I, but – you know, should we go back in, in, in time, if you will, where, you know, uh, just to give you an example, uh, we weren't allowed to play baseball. He played 42. He played Jackie Robinson. Uh, before that, it was the Negro Leagues. Are we at a point now that we need to kind of incorporate our own, kind of bring all of our, our resources together, whether it be digital, um, uh, newsprint TV, all of those combines. Is that unrealistic to think that uh, we can come together in some kind of conglomerate in that that uh, aspect? Um, again, I hate, I, I'd like to be positive, and I appreciate your question. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sidestepping your question, but I'm, and I'm not running away from it. <laughs> but I'd like to be positive. I, I think it's possible. I think it's possible to to do this co- this collaboration that you're talking about. But it, mm-hmm. it would require, it would really require setting aside some ego, quite frankly, and right. and 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 and, um, and coming to the work just being real. Do you remember when? Um, and I hope I'm not dating you and dating your age or anything. But do you remember when uh, Quincy Jones formed uh, when they we did the first "We Are the World" video? Yeah. Do you remember that? Right. So one of the yeah. first things he said to everybody, he said, leave your ego at the door. Because it was, it was a, all the top artists of the world and of that day were a part of that song. And he told all of them to leave your ego at the door because all of them had like maybe one or two lines from the song. And so it, we have to have that kind of, that kind of energy, you know, that the project is bigger than your ego. So right. when, you step to the, when you step to these things, Try to leave your ego aside. An ego, an, an ego, an unchecked ego is a bad thing. But an ego, a, a checked ego, a, a positive ego can can inspire you to do great things. You know, the confidence and the self-esteem to do certain things. So, 
an unchecked ego is, is damaging. So, you know, we have to um, um, have strong, you know, ha- have have have, um, have our egos checked in order to do those things. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think that's very important to do that because a lot of times ego kind of stops things from happening. Well, it it didn't seem like, uh, you know, Mr. Bozeman had an ego. What would you, if if you had to take one or two things from his short career and his untimely uh, passing a young man, um, what would you take from that for not only to those young men and women, because again, they, they, I love the fact there was powerful women in that movie. They were, they were, they were soldiers. They were really getting down. Um, but aside from that, what what would you take from from his career for people just to, in the industry and just people who want to ins- aspire to be, you know, in that industry? What would you take uh, from his career and his life to to give to them? Right. Well, well, without knowing his full, you know, A to B, A, I'm sorry, A to Z steps to how he got to where he was, I have some idea, but I don't know the full story. Um, you know, choose your own roles. I mean, choose roles that you want to play. As I mean, and, uh, avoid from being the, the 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 cliche. You know, and 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 have integrity in what you do, and understand. See, I mean, you know, understand that there is an element of uh, the black psyche that is, and it's so important because if if, if I may. The example of Barack Obama, the eight years that we had of Barack Obama as president, symbolically, it meant so much to black people. But in terms of right. what you look at, in terms of what he did, there are some who feel that he didn't really do much. And and, and, and so we, we, we were kind of left with a missed or a lost opportunity. So with, with that said, you know, you don't want it to turn into something like that, where, 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 where it's kind of a lost opportunity. You want it to be a situation where – you took advantage of the situation and you did it and you kept your integrity intact. And, and, and I hate to use this word, as I said earlier, but you represented the black psyche and the black self-esteem. So, so it, it, wasn't just, it, wasn't, it wasn't just symbolic. It was like, came, we saw you, we appreciate you, we, we love you. Like, like I, people, like icons, like Nina Simone, people like James right. Baldwin, you know, people like yep. that. They have Aretha Franklin. Those people resonate with us. Stevie Wonder. Those people resonate with us far beyond far beyond their art, their music, or their acting, or, or, or whatever. They resonate with black people. There's, you hear though, you hear that name, and people, you know, people tell you stories about them, Ali, and things like that. You, you know, you, you, you want to be someone like that, where it wasn't just you represented symbolically. You cared for black people. Sure, and I, that's that's important. That that. Humanity, you know, um, and that that caring uh, of what you said uh, uh, makes makes a lot of sense. Anthony, as always, sir, I appreciate your time. We'll get you on again. You and your family, please do be safe, okay? I appreciate it, Ella. You have a good one. Thank you very much. Uh, you too. Bye-bye. Anthony Harris, of course, always good to have him on. He is a, um, a Emmy Award winning documentary filmmaker and TV producer. Talking about uh, Chad Chadwick Boseman and the industry, uh, where do they uh, go from there? As we uh, pay tribute to the young man, not just known for Black Panther, but again, he, he starred in the role as Thurgood Marshall. Uh, he played uh, Jackie Robinson in Number Forty Two and, and 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 a few other lists, and had to be very impressed 
uh, impressive to Denzel Washington, who paid his way to go to Oxford to study. So uh, Denzel Washington is not going to put himself on the limb that much if if he's not so special talent. And a lot of people saw it, including the president. I'll take a break. This is the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network at WCOM Chapel Hill. <laughs> train on the bottom track.
Welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us wherever you are listening. It's the Bastion News Radio Show on the Bastion News Radio Network at WCOM in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I want to go back to the phones and bring in my next guest. He is the host, co-host of the Donaldson Files. It airs every Tuesday and Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, and rebroadcast at our website, uh, Pro every single day of the week. He's Tom Donaldson. And, Tom, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, no problem. We appreciate it. Always enjoy coming on. Yes, sir. Uh, I know you're traveling, so I won't take you a lot of take a lot of time. But you know, I was we we're going to come on and talk, you know, uh, rankings and predictions in terms of the U.S. Open, which starts today, and then <laughs> yesterday they have a, a, a player test positive uh, for the coronavirus. Now, it's my understanding they weren't going to have people there anyway, fans. Um, yeah. But how does this? change not just the the ranking i mean he was 17 so he wasn't like a low low uh ranking yeah. uh, player well how's it changed that and how's it changed the psyche because if i'm thinking right before i'm going to go on the court and play tennis the day the night before all of a sudden you know you have somebody test positive it's almost like that magic johnson effect you know when he tested positive those guys he didn't want to play basketball because he was on the court would you yeah. could you see something like that at least on the men's side and sure the women would be afraid yep. uh, as well well yeah you know, here's the thing i mean it, it, you know we're seeing this in all the different sports where this is going to come up i mean you know i i i'm a, i remember i you know i was when you know people, you know, when I looked at the different sports, like boxing was actually the first sport that you know that actually opened up professionally, and they ran into this problem where you know they, you you'd be sitting there, and next thing you know, by the way, uh, you know, the tonight's match, main event match, has been canceled. So and so's got COVID. We'll reschedule this in about six weeks, and now we're going to have this other fight. And so these are the things that are going to happen. And so it's like any of the sports. You, you know, I, you know, I view it as okay. This is a risk you're going to have. Somebody may end up with it. And if if you get a super you know, a player like Djokovic ends up, or let's say one of the top draws, you know, end up getting it. Well, they're they're out for the rest of the tournament. So that kind of changes the dynamic. You know, it's almost I mean, that's the, that's to me that's what I'm saying. When you somebody say, you know, who's going to win? I mean, a better question is going to be who's who doesn't get the virus first? Right. <laughs> so. Hey, I would – go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's the same. I mean, because I'm thinking like baseball bat- – I mean, basketball, so far the NBA has done pretty well with that. Uh, but, you know, right. Major League Baseball, you've seen situations where people have been out. You know, got COVID, next thing you know, they're on the, they're on the list. Right. So. They, they, should they have considered doing something like that? I mean – uh, even before the U.S. Open, should tennis have looked at maybe a, a some form of bubble type of situation? Um, not only just to protect the players, but to get them sort of in the mindset of that's how it's going to be. Well, I think I mean, I mean, I, I, I mean, the thing is, it, it wouldn't been a bad idea because it's only I mean, unlike the NBA, this is only two weeks, right? Or three weeks. So the NBA, how many? I mean, God, they're there for like how many months? I mean, they've been over there for six weeks. Right. Uh, and hockey's the same way. So, I thought. I mean, the thing is, if you want to increase 
the ability to be able to finish the, I mean, not so finish the tournament, but make sure stars have a shot at doing this and have everybody a shot at throwing and not have that curve thrown at you at the last moment. Uh, well, that's so, what it seems like they weren't, they didn't seem from what I'm reading. They, I mean, obviously they took precautions. There's no uh, fans there, but it doesn't seem like they kind of thought it all the way through similar to, to baseball and all the mess that they're going through with people getting sick and did not yeah. trying to play in a dome or play in one place. They're still playing in all these stadiums with all these different, uh, I mean, I, if I'm a Yankee yeah. fan, I, I wouldn't want to be in New York. I mean, I know that it's flattened somewhat, but you know what I mean? It, I don't think that tennis sort of looked, looked at it, you know, down the road. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing to me, it's more or less the good news for the athletes on the app. I mean, is that, you know, they're at the age where, you know, they're going to, you know, they're going to basically get the virus and then recover quickly. The problem you run into is that you're out for two weeks, regardless. And even in some cases, they've put people on the reserve list. If you show up with a stuffy nose, hey, God, don't feel so well. I got a sore throat, stuffy nose. You know, they're going to say, oh, you're out. I mean, they're not even taking chances with that. And it does make a difference, basically. Again, I mean, especially in baseball, you got a 60-game schedule. Well, you're out for 12 games. You just lost the fifth of the schedule. Uh, hockey, you know, and the same thing with playoffs in hockey uh, in NBA basketball. I mean, if LeBron James says, I got COVID, that's what? He's out for an entire series. That changes right. the dynamic. And that's the same thing right. with tennis here. Is the dynamic, I mean, this is why it's because, you know, somebody will say, you know, who's going to win? You know, I mean, already, see, Nadal didn't even show up. Better was injured, and Nadal said, I'm not coming. Right. Uh, and so, and uh, Joker basically says, okay. Uh, and well, no, no, be, right, and I'll go back to that, but to your point, you know, just like hockey, tennis, you know, you, you're you on your own. It's not a team sport. You either win or you don't. Win or go home. And, yeah. you know, with this type of situation, I would think, you know, obviously, it's it's more devastating for sports where you're playing for yourself and not being a teammate. If LeBron James gets the virus and he has to leave, you know, he's still got Anthony Davis and some other players. They may still win a championship. And, and tennis, well, I'm if, put if you get it or you're isolated, you're done. Well, I, think, well, see, I, would, I, would, I mean, here's the thing. When you get in the NBA, when you get, like I say, if you lose a Jalen Brown or, or a Tatum, for a series, or a Giannis for a series, or LeBron James for a series, LeBron James for a series, it, that cripples the chance of like I mean, Davis, you know, you know, maybe a great player, but you know, he's, you know, but basically the Lakers are two, you know, James and Davis is the team. You lose right. one of them, it changes the dynamic, and I, and I think the same thing here is going to change the dynamic. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens because I think it's an interesting tournament because over the past 12 tournaments, on the men's side, it's either Djokovic, Nadal, or Federer, and everybody else showing up. I mean, right. that's, they're the only ones that won. Well, now you got well, two out of the three big, big out. Now you only got Djokovic. So, so you may actually have a different title coming in, somebody different. 
Right. We're talking with Tom Donaldson here on the Bastard News Radio Show on the Bastard News Radio Network. You mentioned uh, Djokovic. I mean, he, he's it is his to lose. He doesn't have Nadal to, uh, to worry about. He doesn't have Federer to work, worry about. Who are some of the, the guys who could maybe give him a run for his money? I, I know it's a lot of Americans, Isner, a lot of people are talking about. He's sitting as a 16 seed, and he's leading right now in his first-round match of uh, Battle of Americans. What do you see in terms of some uh, underdogs that may uh, reach up and and have a shot to to get to the uh, finals? Well, you know, uh, Dominic Thiem, the team T H I E M, he went to the uh, you know he had he went to the finals in the Australian Open at the beginning of the year, and so he certainly be a threat. And he basically took Djokovic to a five set match. Uh, you got uh, you know. There's like okay, Medvedev and God, I'm going to slaughter these names, but they're all Central Europeans and Russians. Right. But there's like uh, Alexander Zobriov is another one that I would sit back and say would be a threat. So I mean, there's three or four people that if you know Djokovic, you know, has that one bad game, or if he twists an ankle or something, which has happened in a period of two weeks. Uh, I mean, one of these people may just, you know, break through. Like I say, Tim, the Austrian, I mean, he almost beat Djokovic in Australia. So, right. So he certainly have, you know, so this, like I say, this will be an interest. I mean, there's, for once, you know, we're not looking at, well, is Nate Hall, is uh, Djokovic, and everybody else can, uh, you know, everybody else is fighting for third place. <laughs> I mean. Right. So. You know, it's, it's. As easy as it seems with Federer and Dow gone and, you know, open for uh, Djokovic to, to win, the women's side, I think, is wide open. Um, I mean, yeah. you know, you look at the injuries at the top. I mean, I think top five of the top ten players are not even there, um, and that doesn't include Serena, who's down a little bit. We'll get to the, the Williams sisters in a second. But when you look at the, the the one seed, you know, everybody was talking about, well, she's not really a one seed, but she took care of business today. So what about uh, Bisclova and um, some of the others out there? And it, as you mentioned on the men's side, on the women's side, it's, 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 it's just the same thing. It's a lot of great talent coming from um, from Europe. Yeah, again, uh, Sophia Keeney, I, mean, I think she was the Australian Open. She beat – Serena there. You got Kentopovic, uh, Palaskova. You got the Osaka. I mean, she's, excuse me, she's the favorite. I was hoping for Coco, uh, uh, but unfortunately, she got upset. I uh, know. I, I saw that. I mean, she was um, like my, she was going to be my dark horse. <laughs> and I was getting ready to, uh, Hey, here's my dark horse. Uh, she uh, survived this match. Uh, well, she did. <laughs> so, yeah, and then you have Osaka uh, not there. And, yeah. um, what about the, well, the Williams like, sister? Osaka's there. She's going to play. I mean, but the question I thought she. Is, I thought the ankle was bad. Okay, so she is going to play. Yeah, well, that's what I – yeah, she's listed as playing, so we'll see. Okay, uh, but, okay. Uh, but I wouldn't put her at the paper. I, I don't like uh, I'm not going to put her the favor. I think you have to be looking at, you know, you know some of these other names. I just, and I don't see Serena winning this year. Uh, I think we're at the point where Serena, I hate to say this, 
But I think Serena is at that point at the age of 38. Uh, she'll make a nice run. She'll get into the second week, maybe the semis. I mean, she still, I mean, she still has it that. But it just seems like, you know, I, I tell you the way I look at it. And, you know, think, I mean, it's like, it's, it's like okay, uh, yesterday, Quali Leonard was playing for the Clippers. You know, yeah. You know, superstars like Leonard, you know, when that moment comes, they take it to another level. Like, he, right. in the second half, he just took it to another level, and that was it. Well, Serena used to have that ability, you know, you know, that was that Serena where, you know, there would be that one, you know, hey, the comp, you know, you know, she could just find a way to take it to another level. And then, well, she no longer has, in my view, that ability to find that new extra level. She's, what I'm going to say, I don't mean this as, for her maybe as an insult, but she's a very good, she now had come back from being that superstar elite player, head and shoulders everybody to one of the top ten. You know, yeah, and she's she's her. got a she's got a tough uh, first round match, um, you know, against uh, On, and um, uh, she is a yeah. three seed. Um, it, what about Sloane Stevens? What I mean, she's not highly yeah. ranked. Can she make a run? Well, actually, I mean, the talent's there, and the same thing with Madison Keys. The talent's there, you know, and it would be nice for one of those two to make that run. Right. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to discount them because you know, it's all. I mean, it's certainly all there. I mean, they have the talent to do it. Sloan's one of those that never, for some reason, has never been able to you know, again take it to that other level. You know, and the same thing with Keith. It just seems like you know they're they're good, but they just have never been able to take it to that other level. And I don't, you know, you know, it's kind of like they're at that point where they're just good. Yeah, that's that's tough. Um, yeah. So when you look at the the landscape of this this year's, it, it's it's sort of going to be a little, it's going to be different anyway because of COVID nineteen. It's it's different because no Nadal, no Federer. It's different be, because of Serena and and even Venus not being who they are. So. It's, so who wins, and, and is it going to be that same excitement, if you think, do you think? Well, I think it's going to be exciting. I mean, the thing is, I guess, if you're a tennis fan, you're going to be excited because uh, I mean, you're going to see some really good tennis from some very good players, you know, who are good enough to, you know, to put their own name to, you know, stamp to the sport. Uh, uh, but if you're the uh, ESPN, you're probably thinking to yourself, it would really be nice if Serena could make him one more good run so we could have some great ratings. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and with, with, with that being said, Tom, that, that's the, the place I wanted to go, the final uh, question. You look at Serena, you look at Venus, obviously Serena's had the, the, the better career in terms of wins and, and grand slams. But in terms of, you know, they're both at the twilight, if you will. Venus has overcome a lot of injuries. Who needs it more? Who who do you think needs it more at this point uh, in their career to get one? Is it uh, Venus just to have that, you know, that nice story on her way out, or, or Serena who continues to she who still feels like she's still one of the top three players in the in the world? Well, here's the thing. I mean, Serena wants number twenty four to tie Margaret Court. For 
So she's the one that needs it the most. It's history for her. Uh, get number 24 tied market court. Uh, and I think that so if you know if there's anybody who wants it needs it and is and is still you know going for that one last brass uh, you know ring it's going to be Serena uh, and I don't know whether or not it's there anymore. Yeah, I hate to right. say it that way. It's a, I mean it's kind of like you have to win six you know six matches and then go to the finals and she's 38 you know people think she's 38 years old. She's been playing since the you know twenty plus years, so I mean it's I mean she's you know it's it's hard you know, the fact that she's been this good this long in my view is a an accomplishment of itself because I mean she's literally won I mean she's won ten majors after the age of thirty. I know. So, well, so. Uh, and so she's got to, you know, so that, that so she's the one that needs it the most. I just think, and that's why I think drives her is that history. It's history. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And you, uh, you always want to root for, you know, uh, there's so many yeah. more uh, talented Americans on the women's side there to me than on the, the men's side. So, if anything, yeah. with the with it being wide open right now, it may be, um, yeah. You know who who knows what Serena may maybe at least get to the finals. That would be good, uh, and then yeah. go from there. Well, I mean, like you say, being, I mean, I would love to see her win. You know, there's this, you know the uh, ob- the observer me, the uh, the pundit in me says I'm not sure she has what it takes anymore to win it because the competition is you know she's you know the competition is not so much she's caught up to her. She's gone down to the competition, so. But it would be nice to get that one last bit of glory to see, you know, to do it. So that'd be kind of cool, especially good. Yeah. Game. And and is your are your Celtics going to take uh, Toronto? Yes, they are. I, I like this team. I mean, I tell you, I'm really. I mean, the thing is, you know, I tell you what, Kenny the Jet Smith made a fascinating point. One time, he said, "When you look at these young players like uh, the the kids from Dallas, you know, Tatum, Brown, he said these are not the same players in two th- that they were four months ago. They've had a three months break. This is them this the following year. You know, they're now taking that. They're now starting to take that superstar step and become you know the dot more of a dominant players than." And, and I just like those two guys. I mean, I'm going to tell you, those are the two best draft picks that Ainge will make in his career. And they were both controversial at the time. You know, everybody said, well, you know, you, know, you had Fultz and you had Lorenzo Ball when Tatum was, and Brown was number three, and everybody were, like, questioning Ainge, why did you pick this kid number three? You know, he's averaging 15 points a game in California with a three-point uh, shooting range of 29%. Well, because the kid had talent. He was smart. He worked hard. And, and, I, I, and, and I tell people this with you know, Jalen Brown. You're looking at this is what Kawhi Leonard looked like five years ago, four years ago. Is what Brown is now. Imagine mm. two or three years from now. He is going, I mean, he's, he's, he's built like Kawhi Leonard. He's exactly like Kawhi Leonard. I mean, he's shooting 40% of three points. I mean, this is a kid at 29%. In college, and he said he's forty percent now. 
that means, you know, this kid took this step because he worked at it. I mean, he was a great athlete who decided to become a great player. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and Tatum's the same way. These are two kids who said, I'm going to be great. And you see that in Giannis. You see that with uh, Luca, with some of these young players. And I just think that, you know, that with the bubble, you're seeing these kids take that next step in front of us. Uh, and, you know, the NBA is in pretty good shape. Got lots yeah, they of are. young superstars. They yeah, are. And they are. Well, I, I can't root for the evil empire, especially since my sixes are out. But I do like yeah. uh, Tatum and Jalen Brown. They are pretty exceptional players. Tom, we got to run. I appreciate the time, man. As always, I'll talk with you uh, Talk with you tomorrow. All right. So, you know, talk to Mike. Take care. Thanks, Tom. Tom Donaldson, uh, co-host of the Donaldson Files, airs uh, on Wednesdays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time, and it rebroadcasts at uh, any day, weekdays, uh, Pro. Make sure you check us out. It's the Bastard News Radio Show on the Bastard News Radio Network.
Welcome back to the show. It's the Bachelor News Radio Show and WCOM Chapel Hill and of course uh the Bachelor News Radio Network. Wanna go back to the phones bring in my good friend. Uh, he is the owner of Anastas Media under normal circumstances, the play by play voice of uh UMass Lowell basketball. He's Nick Anastas and Nick, appreciate you coming on, sir. LA, thanks for having me. How are you? Good, good, all is well. Um I gotta start with Toronto and, and Boston. And we talked about this series um after Boston took care of Philly and Toronto just, you know, destroyed Brooklyn. Um that, you know, this would be a test for the, the Celtics that was looking at the matchups and everything. This is a Toronto team that, you know, comes off a, a NBA championship. They have those pieces in in place. Uh but you know, one of the things I, I noticed in this game one is you can't have arguably your best player in Siaka getting in foul trouble. Three fouls in the what, first quarter. Um, if he's going to be the guy, he can't start his, his, his playoff run or the second round off like that. And I think between that and Boston just has so many guys that can do so many things. They got a lot of weapons, um, you know, with Smart and Jalen Brown and, and Tatum, and then they got the the role players. It, it just, at least for game one, was a recipe uh, for disaster for Toronto. Yeah, I think through one game, it was it's clear <clears throat> that the Celtics have an advantage. I think versatility is, is a key to what yeah. Matt Stevens has been able to do. Um, you know, you take a look at, at those players, a, a lot of them can play anywhere on the wing and even down low in a small unit. So they have the ability to stretch the floor. They're all unselfish. They pass the basketball well. And you have, you know, four or five guys that can their own shot and score at will late in the shot clock. That's that's a tough team to play against. Yeah. And talked a little bit last week about what they can do defensively. I think I still think they're a little small at times when they match up against bigger teams and, and we'll see if eventually it is Milwaukee and Boston how they how they try to handle the freak. But uh, you know, again, Marcus Smart is a difference maker. We mentioned that last week. Uh, he made some key plays, I felt like momentum sustaining plays in game one. And they're deep. They're deeper than Toronto as well. So they're a little more dynamic. They're a little deeper and perhaps a little more skilled, at least around the perimeter, than Toronto is. And, and, you know, you highlighted Siakam's foul trouble. That cannot happen, obviously, in game two. Uh, They've got to be more competitive early in the first half, I think, if they want to make it a game down the stretch. Yeah, and I didn't even mention Kimba Walker, who – yeah, they they just shoot so well. Toronto is a team that really plays good defense, but they were just – I mean, Boston was moving the ball so well and knocking down shots and getting in the lane. Um, and to your point about Smart, you know, when he came in the league, it, you know, he was known for this tough guy and the defense. He still plays that, but now he's developing his game. I think he had 21 in the game. He's playing really well. Um, how much of an advantage is that for 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 him, and what can Toronto do outside of making sure they they defend the perimeter better than they did in Game One to to kind of slow down Boston? I, I would think that they at least have to get off to a better start. 
Yeah, I think so. I think tempo plays into it as well. I think the lower the games are scoring-wise, I think the better chance Toronto has. You know, maybe hog the ball, maybe, you know, throw a couple more pick and rolls in there. They seem to be all right there. Um, but but I don't think they're really a team L.A. to be built, uh, or rather they're not a team built to come from behind, in right. my opinion. They're not a shootout type of team, especially without Kawhi, obviously. So, again, if this is the end of the road for Toronto, I still think it's a pretty successful of the championship. Um you know, nobody really gave them a chance to do much once Kawhi went to L.A. And right. Nick Nurse, I think, I think, maximized that roster. They had a great regular season. I think overachieved a little bit in that regard. And, and as you mentioned, that is a very successful first round. So no matter how this ends up for Toronto, I, I still think that those guys can, uh, can leave the bubble with their, held, with their heads held up high. We talk with Nick Anastas here on the Bastard News Radio Show on the Bastard News Radio Network. Nick, uh, let's look at the other Eastern Conference semifinal, Miami, uh, Milwaukee. Right now, Milwaukee's got a slight lead in the and uh, is midway through the second quarter. You know, Miami is another team similar to Toronto in the sense that they <clears throat> they play really good defense, but they 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 are built for shooting the perimeter and they shoot they knock down a lot of threes. I think this is an awkward matchup for Milwaukee. Milwaukee doesn't have, you know, outside of the two players that are consistently knocking out shots, and and if uh, Eric get, uh, Gordon can go get going, then maybe that's a third guy. But they need to keep it down, and they they're going to have to have uh, the Greek freak really go off uh, if Miami shoots the way they have all season. Yeah, I mean. You're right. The comparisons between Miami and Toronto are, are pretty clear. Uh, both teams are, uh, you know, not very big, number one. I think Miami is a scrappy team that they can compete just from hustle. Uh, Bam has taken, obviously, a big step being named an all-star at midseason, kind of anchors that front line. And then there's a whole bunch of guards. Uh, that kid, Drogic, he's not a kid, he's a veteran. But he reminds me a little bit of Steve Nash. He can dribble the ball all over the place, uh, you know, kind of whips it up. I think that kid Hero, uh, young player, played well. As you said, hit some shots, some 20-footers, some three-pointers. Uh, I think if Miami's going to go out and, and, and make this a series, they probably got to get one tonight, right? I mean, given Milwaukee, right. uh, you know, and how they were kind of in the spotlight with this whole uh, boycott, you would think maybe Miami kind of laying in the cut, so to speak, a little bit of extra rest could come out and, and maybe steal this one tonight and uh, and make make Milwaukee react in game two. So it'll be interesting how, how game one ends tonight. But but I think Miami is good enough. And they do have a star, as we talked about last week as well, with Jimmy Butler. they got a go-to guy in the fourth quarter. So if things are close, Miami could end up stealing a game or two early in the series and, and really put my, Milwaukee on their heels as a result. That's that's a big possibility. Yeah, that that could be. And then if they do beat Milwaukee, the, the talk will continue uh, about this young man. Take a 30-second break and come back uh, here on the Bastard News Radio Network. Tune in the You and the Law with Chief Virgil Green and Chief Keith Humphrey. The show focuses on law enforcement and their relationship with the black community while letting you know your legal rights 
as a citizen when confronted by the police. Listen live every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com and the podcast every Monday through Sunday at 4 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Welcome back to the show. It's the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network and our our sister station, WCOM in Chapel Hill. Um, Nick, I, I can't go on to the NBA without going back a little bit. And this has been really a a weird year, a lot of tragedies. John Thompson, Hall of Famer, turned Georgetown into this powerhouse. Hoya Paranoia, remember that? First black coach to lead a team to the NCAA. Double-A Men's Basketball Championship had a chance to win a second one against the Tar Heels in North Carolina. He died. He was 78 uh, today. And um, when you look at what he did, not only for Georgetown, uh, Nick, but for the Big East, you know, he brought in the Patrick Ewings. He's opposing guys from him to AI all the way down. Uh, this man... Uh, really it stood for a lot of uh, – brought in a lot of talent, but stood for a lot when it came to uh, coaches, and a lot of people learned from him. And you can remember those battles between St. John's and Syracuse. Uh, just uh, sad news that uh, John Thompson uh, passed away. Yeah, good good point, L.A. Um, I would say if there's a Mount Rushmore for the Big East, he's on it, right? Yeah. I mean, when you think of it, he's one of the first names, one of the first faces that that comes up. Um, had a chance to win two more, I believe, right, L.A.? They, yeah, they actually, Villanova, yeah. And, and then lost to Ed Pinkney and Villanova in 85 right. as well. So, uh, And then, of course, they had Alonzo Mourning. They had um, Allen Iverson in the 90s. Uh, Mutombo as well, right? Right. So, um you know, he, he obviously uh, touched a lot of, of players that ended up having great NBA careers, but but really was, was a giant, a, a titan in a lot of ways, and certainly a face of not just the Big East, really, but of college basketball in general for a long time. Um, so he will be missed, and obviously he, he left a big footprint on the game itself. And, and and people don't know, he took the little Catholic school and put him on a map. I mean, his first year right. of coming in there, they were 3-23. and 23. <laughs> So, I mean, right. you just think about it. And Jordan doesn't hit the big shot in 82. If Villanova doesn't shoot the lights out in 85, you, you're right. It's, there's three titles. So that's two additional titles right there. So they were always in it uh, with his players, with, you know. A rest in greatness to John Thompson and his family. Uh, 646-929-0130, the number to go uh, to get in touch with us. You can hit us up in the chat room there or hit us up on that phone number. You'll have about 15 minutes before you lose the live feed, so you have to dial in there or you can go in the chat room or hit us up on Facebook. Uh, big shout-out to Virgil Green, co-host of You and the Law uh, listening and watching in. I want to go to uh, my good friend and longtime friend and colleague, Tony T. McLeod. Hey, Nick. Uh, I'm watching the first period of the uh, Boston-Tampa. It's uh, no score late. But uh, other than the obvious, what is the main thing the Bruins have got to do tonight to avoid having to be on the golf course in uh, two days? Good question. Uh, The momentum clearly is, is with Tampa. 
Um, they could slow things down somehow, kind of muck things up, um, you know, create some havoc around the net and, and just kind of muddy their way to, to stave off elimination. That's, that's a good first step. Um, you know, they, they tried to do that. They tried to get a little more aggressive, I felt like, in game four. Um, and it, it, it just didn't work. I'll, I'll tell you what, even after the game one win, mm-hmm. uh, the fan base was uneasy. They felt like they took a look at game one. They felt like a lot of breaks went the Bruins' way. Um, and that Tampa was a scary team, a team with a lot of speed and a lot of skill along those top two lines. And, you know, the, the Bruins had to a degree pieced together some things with smoke and mirrors in the absence of, of their starting goaltender, Tuka Rask. So, um, you know, if, if it ends tonight, I think the fan base is, is – I mean, they're never really satisfied with anything Thank short you. of the cup, but, <laughs> yeah. but 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 I do think that they they, they can appreciate what uh, what they did in the regular season. I don't think anyone expected them to be good as they were, um, and then just things just just didn't work out in round two, and they ran into what what, what could be, um, you know, the eventual champion in Tampa. I think they are that good to possibly bring it home. Uh, what about? You know, I don't know if you've been following the other series in the East um, with the, the Islanders and the Flyers. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually an Islander fan myself, but I'm actually surprised the way that they've really have come out and just literally grabbed this series by the throat. Yeah, I, I, you know, again, we talk all the time that. Hockey is, is unique in a way where, where everybody's got a chance to win. And I know theoretically that applies to all sports. Mm-hmm. But but with hockey, it's it's a little bit different just because of how the game itself is conducted. A, a team, for instance, could outshoot another team 50 to 25, and that goaltender could stop 49 of the 50, and the offense or the attack produces just enough to get you two goals. So... Um, and that, that's what's good about it. You can basically throw away the seeds, especially this year, with no home ice. And, and it just it makes the playing field, I think, that much more competitive and that much more diverse. So the Islanders are hot right now. They're getting good goaltending. Um, it seems like the, the, that coach has kind of put – he's gotten his arms around it. I mean, the Islanders are back, so to speak. Again, if they, if they lose in this round, I still think – if that fan base needed some, some postseason success, they've gotten a little bit of a taste of that either way. Um, so, yeah, it's on Philly now to react. Are they good enough, too? I think so. They're probably the better team on paper, the Flyers. But um, momentum can go a long way, as we know, in the postseason. I think the Islanders are proving that right now. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Nick, uh, I want to go back to the, the NBA, go to the Western Conference, and um, start with uh, the Houston series that, that you know uh, against Oklahoma. You know when Houston's going and, and they're right, they just look phenomenal. I mean they're knocking down shots, they're penetrating, they they're even playing better defense when they they feed off the defense on the break. You see, um, and they just look really really good using that small ball. Uh, obviously, you know, if they have to play in the next round, it could be a different story. But but let's talk about that series. I, I know um, – I don't know if Chris Paul and and OKC was uh, distracted at all. 
you know, with the the shutdown. But um, you know, Houston shut down too, and yet they just they just blew the doors off them. Are they going to finish the deal tonight? I think so. I think in a lot of ways, OKC overachieved as well. I mean, I felt like they were left for dead uh, in a lot of people's minds during the off season when Westbrook was shipped out. Uh, but Paul has proven that he's got some some gas, plenty of gas left in the tank, even at 34, right. 35 years old, at a grueling position, by the way, a, a position that relies on quickness at the point guard. Um, so, so, again, you know, Billy Donovan is a good coach, and he really maximized what he had on that roster. As far as Chris Ball, it's been a heck of a week, right? I mean, he's, he's basically the, the league spokesman, unofficial or not. Uh, he's on the phone with Michael Jordan one hour. The next hour, he's on the phone with Barack Obama. You know, he's right. going to placate LeBron James. Uh, you know, he, he's he's just had his hands full. And then, oh, yeah, you got to go out and stave off elimination against a red-hot Houston team as well. So, I, I, I just think it's too much. I think Houston's a better team on paper. They, they seem to have found their swag, I think, so to speak, in game five. And, um and it certainly smells like they're going to cover that five-point spread tonight to close the deal. Yeah, they, I, I think so. I think OKC, you know, it's you know the the young players may not get get over it. Uh, I know Chris Paul is going to definitely come to play. I think the best series has been, and it's gone gone to seven, is Denver and Utah. And Utah seemed like they were in the driver's seat. They were up what three-one in this series. And Jamal Murray, let me just say, and we had uh, another guest on, they were talking about how these young players are playing really well in the bubble. Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell have been putting on a show. Uh, both of them scoring at least 50 points in a couple of games this, uh, this series. And, and Murray is uh, nine three-pointers, I think he had last night. He was just lights out, nine or 12. Um, talk about it. And I'm asked T the same thing. The emotions he he. Uh, showed at the end of the game, he had um, uh, Brittany uh, Brianna Taylor, her face on one sneaker, and and uh, I forgot who he had up there on the um, on the other sneaker there. Um, can't remember who it was, but uh, in any event, he he said that he was feeding off the energy of you know learning to fight, and they fought, and they're not here to fight, but he's going to fight for them, and. You know, tears coming down. And he stopped in the hall. I mean, it 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 just seemed so. You know, one of those moments like you see in sports, you don't see all the time. He just literally carried his team to to a, a force a game seven, and he just seemed like he was drained. But he was doing it for a bigger and better purpose. Yeah, he's been able to tap into the emotion in a positive way, and not a lot of players can do that. Although I do think basketball is a sport, like football to a degree, uh, where sometimes raw emotion can help elevate your play. And I think Murray was was a good example of that. Uh, I thought he was – I wasn't sure, actually, how his game would translate into the NBA. I mean, obviously came into Kentucky and started lighting things on fire. That was only for one year. Um, You know, he's a little undersized at the position. He's not overly quick. And yet he's he's been able to not only survive in the NBA but really thrive. He's on the cusp of, of becoming a star. And 
you know, he, he just felt it. He, he got in the moment, stayed in the zone, so to speak, and um, and Denver, to their credit, never quit, despite being down 3-1. So, you know, the Nuggets are an interesting team, for sure. Um, I, again, I, I think a team that kind of maximized what they had. They built on um, kind of an unlooked-for successful year last year and, and, and had a follow-up season. That's not easy to do sometimes. So, you know, Denver's got a lot to be proud of. And then Mitchell, I mean, he already is a star at this point. Right. Uh, you know, he, he was undervalued in the draft. He went late, way later than he should have. Um, you know, and, and then, it, then it's, oh, he's an athlete. He's a good dunker. But, you know, can he score in different ways? He goes out and adds a pretty formidable perimeter game in addition to, you know, his slashing ability. He can get to the cup when he needs to. So he's got an all-around offensive game, and he's a bouncy guy defensively as well. And, and and again, a good young player that continues to get better, continues to take a step forward, and continues to raise his ceiling. So those are two of the uh, the better stories, two of the better uh, feel-good young players of the NBA. And, and as a result, that series has arguably become the best one to watch, at least so far through the first round. And, you know, you, you're picking Houston to close the deal uh, tonight. Uh, who do you pick in Game Seven, Denver or Utah? Mm. Uh, we've talked a lot about momentum over the last 25 minutes, so that would point to Denver. But but I think I think Utah has the ability to, to clamp down defensively. They haven't shown it uh, over the last two games, but uh, I still think with Gobert there, Mitchell, um, you know, a little more dynamic on offense than his counterpart Murray. I think Utah finds a way, despite losing it the last couple of nights. I think with their backs to the wall, they go ahead and, and find that spark that they found early in the series and close it out in seven. I like Utah. Yeah, and, you know, Quinn Snyder's got to do a better job of coaching. I mean, Murray had so many open looks. I mean, the whole squad had open looks. They really weren't um, rotating good on defense. Yeah, I mean, Denver was just running pick and roll, pick and roll, and they couldn't slow to the ball, and it was just, it was just easy. I mean, both teams really kind of did play great defense, but Utah had them early in the game, and Denver got going. They, they stayed with a lot of pick and roll, pick and pops. And 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 it worked for him the rest of the way. Final question for you with with the uh, the Lakers uh, again. Listen, this team. A lot of people are picking to win, and they. Some people are saying they're going to be in the clash with the other LA team uh, in the Western Conference Finals. But you know, you can say if and when and all that kind of stuff. But if Lillard's there, Portland was right there. They just couldn't close it. I mean, CJ did as, as all he could, um, and I mean, Carmelo's showing he's got some left in his tank with 27. But yeah. you know, the Lakers did, didn't really put Portland away without, with the exception of maybe one game in that series. Should Laker fans be concerned with that moving forward? Not. Not especially because I think Portland was good enough to beat anybody a couple of times. You know, I, I think Portland, especially with a healthy Lillard, as you pointed out, um, would have been a tough first round matchup for anybody. I, I do believe that. Mm. And, you know, you can point to the Lakers problems, but the Clippers are having problems with Dallas. as We talked about, yeah. um, you know, having problems on the defensive end of the floor. Houston is a work in progress 
defensively at least. Um, and then we talked about Utah, who's having their hands full with, with Denver. So, I mean, everybody's got some kind of a legitimate concern in the Western Conference. And, and again, Portland is a good team. Maybe they're better than an eight seed. Uh, I do. But, um, you know, that, that's a whole other discussion. But, you know, they, the, the Lakers are, are getting into the swing. I mean, I watched all of game three, and that was the game that they did blow doors. And they right. looked pretty good there. Uh, I mean, running pick and roll, talk about drive and kick, unselfish, making the extra pass, uh, getting out on the break after a defensive stop. I mean, they, they had it together in game three, at least, uh, in my opinion. So, uh, you know, the Lakers, they got that monkey off their back, so to speak. I think they'll be ready to roll uh, with, with, with a refreshed outlook in, in round number two. Yeah, the, the the best thing for them is that they get to to rest uh, until they right. get to the, the second round there. But we'll see. We'll break it down those uh, Eastern semifinals and the Western semifinals next week. Nick, as as always, I appreciate you, sir. Enjoy your evening and be careful. Thank you, LA. You too. Take care. Nick Anastas of Anastas Media on the Bastard News Radio Show on the Bastard News Radio Network. <laughs> not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome back to the show. We want to wrap things up uh, shortly. I want to go back to my good friend, Tony T. Mac McQueen. And Tia, the question I asked um, uh, Nick and Asses about the emotions and the adrenaline uh, that that young kid showed. And it was, uh, of course, it was George Floyd on the other sneaker. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where 
a lot of these young kids are, are really black young kids, young athletes are, are really taking taking this serious. It's not just them boycotting a game or two. They really have, you know, the 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 struggle. Um, those who have uh, were victims of police brutality and everything else. And, I mean, we just, uh, a bunch of us in our own families. Uh, they really are taking it serious, and they're taking it that next step. And I, I thought it was really, it was really a, a, a great moment for him, and a great moment for the NBA um, when he expressed the. He, he he sort of was the the face right now of how the players feel, WNBA and NBA, about this civil unrest, this this lack of equality uh, that we face on a daily basis. I, I think. I think, you know, needless to say, uh, white mainstream media thought that this was just, you know, was going to go away. But um, it hasn't and it won't. I, I, I think maybe, and I think it's a good thing, if nothing else, while we all try to make sense of COVID and, and everything else, um, maybe this can, you know, maybe this the next few months, the rest of uh, 2020 can be more focused on what we have to go through. And, you know, I'm sure he's not the only person uh, that's, that's down there that that's gone through that and, 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 and feels that. I, I think a lot of what we saw with the, um, with the protests um, came, came to bear and, you know, there will always be. You know, look, there's always going to be folks that are going to mock it. They're going to, if they don't understand it, they'll just mock it and they'll ridicule it. And you know, that's you know, yeah. That's, that's yeah how you saw on the, at the end of the the game, he's on the court. The, the reporter comes up to him. He can't get words out. Tears are coming out his his eyes down his eyes. And the reporter says, "How are you feeling right now?" <laughs> I'm yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's you yeah. know it's yeah 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 it's, it's you know like you know th- thank you, Captain Obvious. Um, yeah, what, this, what kind of question? But no, but no, but no, it's, it's it's you know it's 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 par for the course because see, um, a lot of you know whether they want to or not, a lot of people are going to get educated over the next few months, good, bad, or indifferent. And whether they whether they learn something from the education they get, that's a whole other thing. But it's but it's out there. It has been out there for years. Um, um, I saw something online that really sort of summed up a lot of things. Is that you know this isn't a you know this is only a wake up call for folks who've been hitting the snooze button all their lives. Yeah, and, and you could see the awkwardness, and not just the you know white reporters and announcers. That I've been looking at the NHL and baseball, and they they're awkward. But some of the, the brothers that feel they they look like they don't know what to say, and that that speaks to me volumes to you. If you know if you don't know what to say, I mean, the NBA. Uh, Network has been getting it right. I mean, Isaiah's been on, and he's been breaking stuff down, and and the plight of black people, and and you know, if their white people are called Americans, we're called black people. He was breaking it like 
breaking it really down. And then you got some like Shaq and and Charles, which we shouldn't be surprised. You know, Shaq is in bed with uh, Papa John's, and you know the owner of him, the owner of that is a uh, a true idiot supporter, the guy occupied in the White House. Um, and you're getting in bed with him. So I wasn't surprised with those two in particular. Kenny got it right, too. He said, look, I, I'm a former player. I'm a black man. I'm down with the players. I'm out. Sure. <laughs> well, look, look, look. And, and, and see, my, my thing now is I'm, you know, I think we've all, I, I know myself, we all have a mental, um, we all have sort of a mental checklist of how we know folks are going to react. You know, I, I had a buddy of mine call me uh, the other day angry about the uh, some of the stuff that uh, Herschel Walker and his and his son said, and I'm like, bruh, have you not been paying attention? You know, it's 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 that you know there there are a lot of there are a lot of folks that you know they're 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 learning stuff they're they're, they're, they're you know. They they're out of the, the loop, too, and I don't say that to be arrogant or or anything like that. But in the midst of all of this, you sort of have to have an idea of who's in your corner or or or, or who's not. Um, right. In some instances, it's been sad to see how certain folks have reacted. Um, it's not so look. I, I, you know, uh, Patrice Lumumba said it best. There are always in a time of struggle, you will you will find out quickly who's you know who's down and who's not. Now he also said that you know if they're not down, they were gonna you know um, they could be killed and all the other stuff. And 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 you know I don't have a problem with that, but it's the sort of thing where to me their reactions will show who they are. Because, see, I, I go back to what I talked about last week in regards to uh, Drew Brees and uh, Bruce Arians. No, no. I'm going to go by, you know, I'm going to go by what you first said because yep. you were given the opportunity to get it right, so to speak, and you showed who you were. So, okay. Okay, fine. Now we, now, 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 now we know. Now, some folks, you know, like Breeze will backtrack. Others may, you know, stand their ground, so to speak. And it just makes it, you know, it, again, it just makes it very easy to understand, you know, to know. In many ways, I'd rather them show themselves than to be phony because we have a lot of folks that um, that will that will, you know, be phony to the cameras or be too phony, whatever, just to, uh, you know, just just to safe face so to speak and this is this is what you know this is um what this you know there was very interesting i guess there was this um this uh, black father i guess posted a letter saying lebron james this is a black guy lebron james would not, is not going to tell me how to raise my kids and <laughs> it was funny because He's not trying to raise your kids. He's trying to make sure that your kids live. But you know, it's it's right. That, who who, yeah. who cares about one to make sure your kids live? I mean, that's just yeah, who yeah. cares how about dare, that, how right? Dare, how dare how dare how dare he? How dare he? 
But you know, LeBron is the, the LeBron is the anti-Jordan. It, you know, no controversies, no babies out of wedlock, no anything. And in fact, he opened up a school. He's doing all these different things, and they continually attack this man. Black people in particular, they just don't like him. Whether it's oh, it's Jordan, or, or, or you know, he was the greatest, and all of that. But it, it, the man is doing it the right way. Nobody's perfect. But he's standing up. I mean, Jordan is late to the party. Welcome to the party. He don't come and negotiate, you know. And he's an owner anyway, you know, partial well, owner. Like so I he's said, looking at it well, from I that said, standpoint like I said, anyway. I, I, I think I mentioned on the show last week. Uh, seeing Jordan, you know, you know, be sort of a spokesman, it sort of reminded me of Jesse Owens and Jackie yeah. Robinson being sent down to uh, Mexico City in 1968 to calm the Negroes down. Right. Um, you know, and and look, the whole you know it's 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 it, we're we're beyond this whole who's the better player and, and all that other stuff. That's to me, that's that's a that's a superfluous um, argument. You know, whatever. And I, and I know we'll get backlash from folks. You know, talking about you know old you know. But see, here's the thing. What's sad is, see, in their mind. LeBron is just another nigga from Africa, but he's <laughs> right. beyond all of that. And the sad thing, now again, you expect the backlash from the white folks, but unfortunately, he gets just as much, if not more, from people that look like us. And it's 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 sad. It's it's very very sad because uh, a lot of us can be swayed by social media or what you know what quote-unquote is trending and all, and all this other stuff. Um, I, I have, I, I, you know, I would, like I, I've said this a bunch of times, I would rather have a small group of like-minded folks than a large group of folks where this one's worried about this one and this one's worried about this one and, and so on and, 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 and so forth. Um it was, you know, it could be, you know, I, I've had a, I've had several friends say, well, what did they accomplish? Because, see, we're in this um, microwave society where things have to happen yesterday. Right. And in their mind's eyes, nothing happened. You know, you know, they, you know, they just basically got, you know, they basically got two days off. And if you're looking at it just like that, it's 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 beyond ignorant. That's all I can say. And you know, the the guy occupying the White House, his son-in-law said something. Basically, just shut up and and dribble the ball, so oh, to speak. Sure, sure, um, sure. But you know, the, what a surprise. Yeah, and to your point about how you know they they go after LeBron. I think I can't remember the young lady in uh, the WNBA say, "Look, you know, we're on this court playing, but when we leave, we still black." And treat us like human beings. That's all we want is humanity and equality. Nobody's trying to be bigger than the other person. You just don't want to be treated like a less than a dog. You know, and somebody made a point too, T. Uh, they were saying, well, you know, what if you, you know, uh, uh, cops were, uh, you know, has, had a, a take down a dog. The dog was going to attack and, and they shot it and, 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 
ripped it apart and did all these th- different things to the dog, how would people react? And the person said, oh, I'm sure they probably would react kind of bad. Well, guess what? We're below that. They treat us worse than the dog. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and dog, I think well, the people... Dog, what people the, dog, the, dog, the dog's family, probably the dog's family would have a sitcom by the end of the week. Uh, they, they would definitely have a, a big funeral and all that other stuff. I know that. But my point is, is that, you know, it, it's they just don't look at us as humans and it's exasperated exactly. mm-hmm. it is exasperated when our own don't jump well, in there. Well, we're enablers. Well, we're enablers well, for that. Well, 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 see, but see, here's the thing. And everybody's not going to be on the same page. Right. Live with that. And, 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 and I don't say that as a give up. I just say that as you know, be be around like-minded folks because if we sort of sit around and wait for certain folks to have a come to Jesus moment, it will never. I can see change is never popular, especially especially uh, social change like this because in their mind, in, in a lot of people's minds' eyes, we're still Negroes that. Are that 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 have um, it's never time. It was you know it was never it was it wasn't it, you know it was never time in the 40s. It was never time in the 50s. It was never time in the 60s. It was never time in the 70s. I mean, we have been told it's been never time basically since our ancestors were brought over here from the boat. Right. So it's never going to be time. And to be quite honest with you. Newsflash: We're not running. We're not running on your timetable. That's and right. We, and, neither, and we and 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 we don't have to. And and I think that's the thing because a lot of folks. They're, they're unfortunately, there's still a lot of us black folks that look for um, what's what's the word white white approval. And yeah, you know why would you want? Why? Why would you want approval from your enemy? Right. Guess, well, because you know, we want to. We want to bojang. You can answer. If you can answer If you can answer that question intelligently, I might listen to what you're saying. But you know, if if you are if if you are literally going uh, want sympathy and more so um, help from your uh, oppressor. Guess what? You're still going to be there. Yep. You're still going to be there. I want to uh, turn to uh, the passing of, of, of Chadwick Boseman. And um, one of the best movies that he did, first of all, taken too too soon, um, battling cancer, just a lot of people didn't know he's, you know, um, doing his job, not only that, mentoring kids and you know, all the things he was doing in the midst of this pain and this, you know, this illness that he had, uh, just, uh, just, uh, I could just respect it that. Speaks, it, um, speaks 40, to the, it speaks to what kind of a man he is. And I, right, say that, and I say that he still is because yes, he may be gone from the physical sense, but he's, he's, he's still, you know, he still lives. He right. still lives, you know, because he lives more. Let's pick, you know, let's be honest. He lives more of those. Though he's lived more of those last four years of his life with cancer than a lot of us have done who are older than him, and that speaks yeah. volumes. 
That speaks yeah. huge volumes. 43 years young, um, talented brother. Uh, obviously, uh, Denzel, we were talking earlier on the show how he, you know, uh, took him under his wing and paid for him to go to Oxford to study and, you know, be, you know, to, to, to hone his craft and everything. I, I met the president. I mean, just uh, an astounding, remarkable, impressionable uh, uh, um, young man, but I was talking about those those movies. Obviously, Black Panther did something good, and it just stirred us up. It, it feels good. My sons became, went there to watch it, left there, couldn't stop talking about it because you know, not just because of the action, Marvel put it put it together, but the fact that you know that that kid, that dude looks like us, and he's a superhero. And he won, and that whole black has it was remarkable. But the, a lot of a lot of people underestimated him in '42, and it was some criticism about how great he was, but how the story wasn't exactly the Jackie story. You 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 know you know the whole Jackie thing so better than anybody. But but hold on, just, let me finish this though. He but the point is is that he took that story and. And, and you know, even with Thurgood Marshall, that movie, you can feel him being that character. You know, the the the, the resistance when they calling him nigger and they doing all this stuff, and he's holding back. You could just see Jackie doing that. Uh, but talk about the the person who wrote it as opposed to the person who was the lead role and acting in it. Oh, oh, let's let's you know, hey, let's let's be very clear. This was the Jackie Robinson story as told by uh, Branch Rickey. Right. That, that, and she had to be full disclosure, avoided the movie because I was afraid that it was going that it was going to be the Jackie Robinson story, or to be honest with you, the the, the, the Branch Ricky story as told by Jackie Robinson, and and it, it it pretty much was. That being said, you know, he was you know his his portrayal uh, more than you know softened the blow. The one, the, the the best aspect out of it that I got was that um, Wendell Smith's story was told. Yeah. Um, because in so many uh, adaptations of Jackie Robinson's life, uh, Wendell Smith's story hasn't been told. And uh, I, and, I, and for those of you saying who's Wendell Smith, either watch the movie or look him up. Um, That's right. And that was the one. To me, those that was the one, you know, his performance, and the fact that you know Mr. Smith, you know, was able to uh, get some love. I think that would that that um, made it um, come through. But yeah, I, I avoided seeing it. I don't know. The only time I actually saw it was on a free preview for HBO because I just I thought that it was going to be Hollywoodized, and they and they did. They, they Hollywoodized it. And you did. You saw that in. Uh... I can't remember uh, uh, Bullock. Her last name is Bullock in Blindside. It wasn't about it wasn't oh, about oh, this oh, kid. Yeah, the, uh, oh yeah, the, uh, Sandra yeah, Bullock. The, the, right. The, 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 um, well, no. Oh. See, here's the thing. Um, and it's ironic you bring up Denzel. There's a movie. There was a movie he made uh, called uh, Fry Freedom. Fry Freedom. Cry Freedom. Where uh, Denzel plays Stephen Biko. And the story is told from the perspective of his white friend. And unfortunately, we are going to, we've gotten a whole lot of movies like that with quote unquote black leads 
where it's more of a story about his white friend or his white mama or, or what have you, that whole God complex thing. Um, this was, you know, this was a Sandra Bullock movie. The black, the, right. the kid was just incidental, even though this was his, his, his story, but it, it was incidental. And, and we see that, but see, it's a big, it's, it, it goes to a much bigger picture in the sense of when we tell our own stories, then we can do it. Cause even, cause truth be told, even as great as Black Panther was, this was not a story written by black folks. This was written by right. Stan Lee and uh, Jack Kirby from uh, Marvel. I mean, it's a great story. I, you know, I read, me and my brother read the comic book as a kid. So, you know, when it came to the screen, it, you know, it, it took it to a whole, a, a whole, a whole nother level. But that Do you thing, think, go ahead. I was going to say, do you think with with his passing that they will try to uh, bring someone else in to play that role and, and make another well, Panther well, movie? Well, well, they, well, it's 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 you know it it was it's it was on the books literally like a month after the first week, right? So it's gonna be made. Now I don't know if they started production. I I have no idea what their production thing because if I remember correctly. The sequel was supposed to come out within the next two years. Now, what what I, what what a lot of people I think would like to see, and even and a lot of people wanted to see this, even if there was a sequel or not. Um, they wanted to see an offshoot of the female characters that were in there, and right. I think it would be you know again depending on how far into production that they let's put it this way. I hope it's not another game of death like Bruce Lee. If you've ever seen that movie, that was his last right. movie, and he had, you know, he had started putting the pieces together long before he passed. And then, I mean, you know, I mean, the obvious you can put way, it's obvious when Bruce Lee is not on the screen and when Bruce Lee is on the screen. Right. And I would hate for sequels are tough as it is, but you really can't do this sequel without Chad Bozeman. You really can't. If, if you're doing a true sequel, I, you know, that is, that is, that is one, that's one person who I do not want to follow. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, they're, that's they're a tough act to follow. Literally, they are literally going to have to bring, the only way that it could possibly uh, be pulled off is if you bring in, you know, a, an unknown, so to speak, like Chad was before we, you know, knew about him. And even right. then, when you realize, you know, how he, you know, how 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 he nailed that role, I mean, I wouldn't wish, I wouldn't wish that on anybody to 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 follow to to follow him. You know, we had uh, Anthony Harris on, you know, Anthony, a filmmaker, producer, and uh, we were talking about the industry and telling our story. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, and we were talking about mentors, even uh, Mr. Bozeman was mentoring uh, younger people up and coming, wanting to get into business like Denzel did to him and some others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to, to, to discuss a, a collaboration where filmmakers and whether they're using digital or 
TV, producing, directing, coming together for that mentorship and, and having this sort of, like we say with HBCUs, it's just super, you know, uh, a group. Um, how how important that is is that, and, and and could something like that happen? Because, you know, we talked about it. Denzel Washington, one of the greatest actors in the history of the planet, you know, uh, for 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 some is known for Training Day. Why? Because he plays a crooked black cop. Same thing with Holly Berry and Monster Ball. They only want to give us the credit and and clap and do all that stuff. Not that we even need it, but my point is they only want to give us credit because they want to put they, their their uh, mentality is this is who they really are. Black guys are really crooked well, cops, well, and and black women are sleazy women. Well, it's already been done, you know. For, you know the the quote unquote, um, as they as they I hate the, and I hate the phrase that they use the quote unquote black exploitation movies of of the seventies. Right. Even if you go back, you know, back in the day, there, there, I mean, there have been black there have been great black actors before Chad Bozeman, you know, um, you know, you, you know. Folks like Canada Lee, folks right. like um, you know, um, I can I, I'm 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 forgetting names uh, here. Um, folks Is like there, Spencer and, Williams, folks, folks like Spencer Williams that people you know don't know anything about. And again, I would I would I would applaud. Put it this way, Oscar Michaud. Here's a here's a homework assignment for everybody tonight. Go Google the name Oscar Michaud. He was basically, quote, unquote, the Spike Lee of his day. Bunch of his, we have a whole bunch of movies that you can watch now that have all black cast and, and, and what have you. It's, you know, we've been doing it for years. It's just, you know, again, we don't get that white validation, and we think that our ours is not as good. But, look. Long before there was Denzel, you know, there was Moses Gunn. Long before Danny Glover, there were, you know, there were there were other there was other great, 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 great actors and actresses. Just because yeah. mainstream media and sadly other black media doesn't know about it doesn't mean that they don't exist. This is this right. is the great you know, this is the great thing about the internet is that there's there's information, you know, there's information out there, it's, and, and I would implore. I, 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 I always, I always akin it to this, and I, and I, and I make this, I make this disclosure all the time. I bought into the lies that were talked about the Negro Leagues as a youngster because I didn't know, and once I got older and realized that there was information out there, it changed everything that I thought, and and I felt like I was better for it. And in this industry, whether it's music, whether it's film, whether it's um, whatever, black folks have been doing it for years. It's just not, yeah. it just hasn't gotten the kind of um, publicity or uh, publicity, or publicity. It hasn't gotten yeah. the same, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It hasn't gotten the same, um, same notoriety. Yeah, Basically. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because see, because see, right. see, my thing. Because see, again, my thing is, I and and it, and it goes back to what uh, 
our buddy Dr. Fred Whitted always says, we have to tell our stories. You know, right. we have to tell our stories. And that doesn't stop. That doesn't stop. You know, as great as Black Panther was, that was our story. But you know, story. it's 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 a point. Of the the point of, on the other side, the the folks on the other side, they went and saw the Black Panther movie, and was like, "Oh my God, this is really good! Oh my God, this is really good!" It's almost like uh, we we can't be great actors. We can't have great stories. We can't have can't, can't be heroes. I'll give you a, a, a I'll give you even a m- more simpler term. Me myself and my boys were in a grocery store, and and my kids say yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am, that kind of thing. So I told them to pick up something, and my son said yes sir. White woman's coming down the aisle, and she's like, oh my god, they're so well mannered, they're good looking kids, they're well mannered. And I said yes, yeah, a lot of us like that. I mean, yeah. at some damn point, damn you, gotta, damn you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Damning, him, damning him with faint praise. Yeah, you know. but, <laughs> right. but, but, well, we can't be polite. We can't well, be no, well. Look, 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 look. Uh, white folks have been culturally conditioned to think that we're inferior, and the sad thing is, we have a lot of folks that look like us that that buy into that as well. But see, this is this is a small part of what the NBA players were doing last week, and 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 the folks that have followed. Um, we can't sit around and wait for you to humanize us. We have our lives, right. to live, you know, because we're dying. We're being killed. You know, if COVID doesn't get us, the cops will. Yeah. And yeah. and I myself, I'm tired of having to justify my existence, and I won't. I won't. That's right. I don't have to prove. I don't have to prove my existence or my humanity to you. Um. I will defend and that's why I said what I said to that lady. She had this weird grin on her face and walked away. That's there's your moment. Welcome. Well, I mean, what do you? That was a stupid thing to say. And if, I don't care if you're naive or anything. Anyway, you, you, they need to know. They got to get it in their grill. You know. You, uh, yes, my my kids are well mannered, smart, good looking kids. We, it's a bunch of us like that. You know what I mean? Where, where you been? You know that that that's the irritating part of it. Well, you know, you know, look, you know, ignorance is like an itch in the ass. It, <laughs> it doesn't hurt, but it's annoying as hell. <laughs> it's annoying as hell, and and that, and after a while, you just get tired of scratching it. After a while, right. you just get tired of. Oh, I got to do this all over again, and and yeah. and see, there comes a point where you have to stop, you know, telling people, you know, we, we know that, 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 you know, you need to hear us. And, and, and I, I think that's the thing we, you know, and, 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 and it's a slippery slope, but at some point we do still have to live because that woman, that woman that you saw a few weeks ago, I bet she even thought of. I bet she thought about those kids within another. You know, the minute she like laughed it off and walked away, she went back to her life. Yeah, no good. How dare he do that? Say that to me? And they they got it. Look, there's got to be. 
you know, like you said, enough already. I, I'm not going to deal with that stupidness. And someone has said, well, maybe she's being nice. Okay, but she's being very naive. Yeah. And, and you know, living in her bubble see, with, with unicorns and rainbows. But see, here's the thing. We'll humanize her before they humanize us. Exactly. And, 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 and at some point, it's like, you know what? You know, no, no, no. No, I, I, I can't, you know, not, not today. Not today. Yeah. And to your point, you, you got, uh, you talked about before Spike Lee, Mr. Peoples, who has put together a lot of, and of course his son, uh, Mario's been following his footsteps and, and, and doing film. And then someone had emailed, um, black exploitation films were done because they wanted to get in the industry. But my point is we still yeah. want to get in the industry. So what's the difference? And oh, by the way, they were already in the industry. That's and right. That, that's 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 the lie. That's the lie that people uh, buy into. Now, see, they were already in the industry. You had folks like Gordon Parks. You mentioned, you know, the Van Peebles, um, his uh, um, Melvin and Mario. Yeah. Right. Um, and again, there's there's. Again, I don't have the names off the top of my head, but there there are numerous folks that have done. It's just that when they got white recognition, then we became whatever. Because see, the thing about those those you know the thing about those movies, um, they were great movies. I mean, Rita Hardway is a classic. Sounder That's right. It's a classic. Now, 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 would you call Sounder black exploitation? Would you call uh, the spook who sat by the door black exploitation? You know, these were you know these are these movies were based off of real life stories. But and look again, at look at the Richard Roundtree, the John Shafts, and the Foxy Brown. Oh, I love Foxy Brown, by the way. Who cannot love Foxy Brown? But yeah, I mean, yeah, who, who, you who, had who, those people who, that was who, kicking who, butt who back then. Who didn't lust after uh, Pam Greer as a kid? Yeah. 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 And, but I'm but saying they, they were but, kicking butt. They were heroes back then, kicking butt. You know, and it just, you know, and, and people just don't believe that. Oh my God! Like you say about ESPN, anything before '78 or '79 is, you know, doesn't exist. You know, well, it's the same see, thing see, with this. See, that's the thing. See, now we were aware of stuff like that before you had this information highway. Now you have this information highway. And folks are still ignorant to stuff. Yeah, that's that's that. I think that's the thing that's probably because I I I I jokingly say if the internet had been around when I was like in high school, I'd probably be just getting out of school now. Because I'm <laughs> on it, you know, all day, and I and I'm on it, you know, as it is now. But we're in this information society, but we still focus on bullshit. Right. And it's funny you mentioned Moses Gunn, who was like a godfather to me, um, and I was and, and, devastated and, and, when he when again, he died. Yeah, and 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 great actor. And, yeah, well, and look, we're just touching the surface, you know. That that you know, there's there's a whole wealth of there's a whole wealth of great actors. See, here's the thing. Ron O'Neill, the guy who played uh, Superfly back in the day. Okay. Ron, 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 Ron O'Neill, his dad 
was one of the pioneering black actors uh, back in the day. Uh, I think it was Fred O'Neill. And Ron right. was raised at, as, a, as, a, as a Shakespearean actor. So the thing, you know, the, the thing that people have to understand is that to what uh, your email has said, well, these were just black people trying to get jobs. Yeah, but you know what? Here's the thing. They're still trying to get jobs, even exactly. more so now. Because, see, even when they had the whole Oscar so white uh, hashtag, it's, I always said, what do you mean Oscar's so white? Oscar's been white. Mm-hmm. Oscar's been white, you know? But And it's very, and very still pure white at this point. But see, but see, but see again, because, but see, again, you had independent black uh, producers and directors and film houses back in the day. But, again, because... You know, we didn't get "quote unquote" white approval or Hollywood approval. It gets pushed to the side. And uh, and I'll tell you too, if if folks you've never seen got a chance to see Eddie Murphy and Dolomite, uh, that movie was awesome. And it and and really just the bigger picture of that T, uh, the fact that Dolomite did it. He he's by any means necessary. He was getting his hustle on. And he took no for an answer. And when people, no, no, no. people who, no well, he wouldn't take that's no what I said, he wouldn't take no for an answer. Right. But the, the point is people look at him, some people look at him and back then and they, they'll say, okay, Dolomite, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, that kind of thing. But they, they didn't read, I, I don't think then and now they respected his talent and his drive. You know, to, 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 to be like what we say all the time. You don't want us in there, we do our own. You know, do our own stuff. And that's and that, and, and, and he and, was one of those guys. And 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 see, that was the thing with him. Now, again, we could we could argue all day about you know. I mean, you know, I look. I grew. I watched those movies as a kid, and they were funny as hell then. They're funny as hell now. The one, uh, but see, the great thing that uh, Dolomite is my name did again. It, it humanized Rudy Ray Moore. Because I right. think people, so I think some of us as black folks looked at Rudy Ray more as, as sort of a joke. And, but 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 mm-hmm. see, we can be our own worst enemy. Because see, Red the, Fox you know, too. They Red Fox. They did the same thing with him. But look, look, Red Fox is basically Cat Williams's daddy. Exactly. He is, you know, and 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 even before then, even before the both of them, you got Mom's Mabley. Yeah. And Nipsey Russell and Tim Moore and 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 on and on and on. Uh, you know, again, you know, some of us live in a bubble, pun intended, and we got to understand that there's more to us than a lot. And and this is and again, I'm talking about I'm talking about black people, not so much like look. You you expect you expect the ignorance out of white folks. But when it's from our own, it's 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 worse. It's it's worse. But see, here's but see, here's where we also hurt ourselves because the very same people, a lot. Let me not say all. A lot of the same people who are boohooing uh, Chad's, you know, demise. Four or five years ago, when he was on social media, oh man, he looks like he's on crack. Oh, he looks right. like he's you know, you know. 
it's, it's, it's like these same folks that went after uh, Gabby Douglas's uh, hair. Said, oh, that girl's got terrible hair. I'm like, she's history, and you're talking about her goddamn hair? Right, and they talked about, um, you know, remember, of course, with Vivian Stringer and the Rutgers girls, and they talked about oh, them. They talked about God. Serena being Serena being too muscular and masculine looking. No, but that, I mean, they do that all the time. It's envy and jealousy. Um, and, you know, to, to your point, uh, when, when you, you look at information era, and I, I know what you're saying, it's there. But I think it's very, and maybe you're saying that I'm going too far, it's very irresponsible for people not to know, not to be in the know. I mean, I'm not saying everybody has internet. Everybody, I'm not saying everybody. Exactly. But you know what I'm saying? What you said because listen, right? Because you, because you did, you said, and you say this all the time. Look, I had the Negro League wrong until I did what? I looked it up. I did the research, and that's what people got to do. It's right there in front of you, you know. And it's just irresponsible for people not to do that. And they just follow the mainstream robots like you are, MSNBC, CBS. Box, you know, and and all of that. They just follow whatever is there, and they don't have a clue of what's going on. Have now, a clue. Our, now, our excuse back in the day was because you didn't have. I mean, there was information, but it wasn't out there like it. I mean, look, our our Google was basically, you know, like you know the you know Encyclopedia Britannica, or going right. to the library to for 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 microfilm or what have you. I mean, look, right now. I can go to YouTube and sit for two, three hours and watch Marcus Garvey speeches till my ears bleed. Mm. I can go to, if I wanted to know about literally anything, I can do a Google search. It will, it will give me uh, links to their bio. I can see, I think I told you a story. I had I brought up Marcus Garvey because all my life I had read about Marcus Garvey. I'd seen pictures of Marcus Garvey. I never actually heard the man speak. Ever. Right. So one day, again, I'm just doing you know regular song. Like you know what? I need to go to YouTube and just put in Marcus Garvey, and literally for the next two hours, I listened to Marcus. Garvey speak and it was I mean I, I treasured it I treasured it because it you know the humanity that I read about was all there on video and on audio and that's the thing you know you could go right now go to Oscar you could do a Google search on Oscar Me Show right now and it'll have all his films, access to a casino. Few years back, and this is just me. I have a bunch of they called them Negro uh, uh, Negro theater. It's movies from the twenties, forties, fifties or so. Uh, Paul Robeson, Spencer Williams, who's better known as being uh, Andy from the old Amos and Andy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And the TV show. Uh, other great actors from back in the day that folks may not have heard of, or you maybe just heard of, um, in passing. 
and see stuff like that. I love, I love stuff like that because I know that there were other people before me. You know, right. when people ask me about, you know, the reason why I brought up Wendell Smith. Wendell Smith was somebody I idolized for quite a while. And to finally see him get his due, to me, that was the, you know, that was the main reason why I felt that was that was the one reason why I guess I finally got a chance to watch 42 because I got a chance to see Wendell's, you know, Mr. Smith's story because I had wrote about him, I had read about him, and then finally saw him uh, depicted uh, in the celluloid. But that's right. the thing. Whether it's sports, whether it's politics, whether it's uh, technology, or, or 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 what have you, we built this country. This country would not be where it is without black men and black women, and that's, that's right. why. And that and that's why people take it to heart when 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 we are marginalized for what we've done or what we even try to do. Because see, here's here's the let's let's just you know let's just cut through the mess. If we were as bad as white folks have made us out for years, the rivers of this country would be full of white blood. Right. And 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 white. And folks that's their fear. That's their fear. And no, that's not their fear. Their biggest fear is that what they did to us. We want to do to them. That's and what I like, mean. You know that's what? their fear. They don't want yeah. to be. They they be just like just like apartheid. That's why they fought so hard to to, 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 to let the the, um, the Africans to take over because they said, "Oh my God, if they take over, they gonna it's revenge time." And you and know what? and this, you know, what? You know the, thing, the thing is, y'all ain't even worth it. We just you know what? Yeah. Leave me, you know what? Leave me the hell alone and let me watch the Mets lose every other night, okay? And Mandela, Mandela said, "No, we're not going to do that. You know, we're going, we're going, we're going to have some fair elections to do it. You know, rising above that old Michelle. Yeah, when they go low, we go high. We want to yeah. live. Yeah. live. That's all. We're not asking anything more than just wanting to live. And the fact yeah. that they're afraid of that speaks more about them than anything about us. Now." We are going now. Now, are we going to defend ourselves? Now, if you're afraid of that, again, that's on you. Because if you go after somebody and you expect them not to retaliate, not to not so much to retaliate, but not they're not going to defend themselves. What kind of fool are you? I tell you though, you know, we look at this this climate win and these elections coming up in November and we got, you know, this narcissist racist person occupying the, the white house and then the other white guy on the other side, you know, this, this, this election, this, this decision is not about black folks. This is about white people choosing to be good or bad. It's going to be good against evil because we know where we're at. You got the stragglers, like you said, we know what we want, equality and to live, like you said, be able to raise our kids and, and, and live a good life. This election is about white people doing the right thing. They're either going to do the right thing well, or then, not. Then, if they don't, well, then well, we're, well, then well, we're well, doomed. Well, 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 well you know, capital D, capital O-O, capital M, capital E-D. Exactly. I hate to be the pessimist, but if, if, 
and, I mean, the, you're the, not. The, I mean, that's the, the reality of it. The, the, the thing that bothers me is that if, if this is just going to be another, well, he, the lesser of two evils, I'm not voting for goddamn evil, okay? Right. And if that makes me wrong, so be it. I just don't want to vote for evil. Why well, do we have to settle for evil? We always, we, that's been the problem. We've always settled for evil. Well, we we need. I mean, I don't want to get all in. We need a, a third party, a, a, a real third party, yeah. to shake uh, up yeah, the monotony. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, but, but but see, fortunately, and see that that that's part of the problem because anytime someone has tried to be that third party, they crush they crush him or her. Look at what you mm-hmm. know. All you gotta do is look to see. All you gotta do is look to see what happened with uh, Bernie Sanders. President yeah. Democrat or, 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 or independent. He joined the Democrat just so he could at least get a seat at the table, and they screwed him worse then. Yeah, yeah. Before we go, I do want to, um, like I said, it's been a crazy year and a lot of uh, uh, passing. You know, you know, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm personally numb because I lost uh, a colleague. Uh, one of uh, a friend of mine from uh, our graduating, uh, my graduating class, passed away as well. So this weekend, I'm I'm numb. I mean, when I heard about Coach John this morning, I was like, man, when does this shit ever end? You know, right? And and Cliff Robinson, of course, not yeah. as known, but yeah. certainly a UConn grade and played, had some great years in Portland, and um, uh, again, very young, fifty three. I mean. Fifty-three years young, Cliff Robinson passing away from the NBA, uh, a former NBA uh, player, longtime player, up in the top five in scoring in, in Portland, uh, hey, certainly you know, UConn. Hey, he he, you know, he caused a he caused a pretty decent uh, pro career, you know. Yeah, he did with, with that that team with uh you know uh, Duckworth and some of those other guys. I think Kersey yeah. was still Uncle, there. Uncle Cliff, Uncle Cliff, yeah, rookie was rookie year. They got to the Rod Strickland was in that team too, oh, and you know they Don't remind me. Don't remind me. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, he he is the uh, uh, one of the the next greats that they let get away with the Trevor well, reasons well, and everybody. Well, 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 put it this way: by the time he got to Portland, he had actually been two teams removed because San Antonio gave up on him too. Which oh, uh, that's right. Mm-hmm. But but still. But yeah, it's it's um look. As we get older, we you know, I I forget I forget who said it, but you know, as you get older, things get taken away from you. Um we got three great folks that were taken away from us uh in the last 72 hours and I mean, and that's not even counting, you know, the the uh, innocent folks of um, police brutality along the way as well. So it's it's right. you know, you know, uh, anybody got a ride to 2021? Because I'm I'm ready to go. I, I can be packed in like 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's been that. I mean, Kobe Bryant earlier, and it it oh. it shows. Even I, I saw Magic and Isaiah making amends. Life's too short, you know. Hey, you're yeah. talking to me. You're you're talking to me after uh, guys stole three games this weekend. But you know, hey. Well, you know, 
we we're on a seven game losing streak going into that, so we needed that. Well, make it, Thank make you, man. Make it, make it, make it, make it eight because Tampa's on that ass again tonight. Oh, jeez. Well, Tampa's a good, uh, a good team. Have to, Toronto's I might have to, coming on. I might, I, I might, I might have to take back all the nasty things I said about Toronto now. I mean, about Tampa now. Yeah. Well, as long as Boston's in the basement, I'm happy. That, that'll work for me. That's that. You know what? They, 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 they're just as bad as they are. If, if, if you, if that's your only solace. Hey, the way we're playing with no Judge, no uh, Torres, uh, and uh, who else is out? And then they they jerking the half around. I don't even want to. They jerking half yeah, around. But, He's but, been pitching yeah, well. But, they don't yeah, want to yeah, give him hey, any pitching hey, time. I mean, you know, look, just average Hap should be happy. He's getting a major league salary. I mean, you know, let's 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 be honest. It's not you know this isn't Sandy Koufax we're talking about here. Yeah, but he's pitched well this year. It's a contract thing, well, and so you know what? Well, you yeah, know. Yeah, oh, 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 Yankees. You know, um, the Yankees. He shouldn't have signed a two-year deal anyway, T. You don't sign a two-year deal with the Yankees uh, because they're going to put the conditions on there anyway. I, I didn't and understand plus, why he did it, but he did it. And see, and see, uh, after Garcia pitched the way he did yesterday, there's a bunch of guys that's going to be looking over their shoulder now because he, because mm. this kid looks like he's good. He looks like he's going to yeah. be uh, there for a Bar, Barring injuries and and folks, you know, trying to you know go after him because he's in New York, he'll be fine. I hope so. We'll see yeah, what happens. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. You're not you're not getting any sympathy from me though. You know. You, hey. know, you don't get sympathy from me. Of course not. You're uh 